Two Wacker Slaps, where we look back into the annals of 2000s indie music to determine if an album, band, or even an entire musical movement was actually good or just a product of the hype machine of that time. Like all great podcasts, this is the direct spinoff of an unhinged group text that simply refuses to say night night. And uh, I'm your host, Caleb, and I am ho- uh, joined by a couple of guys who, uh, who you were so right when you said they've been drinking. <laughs> Hey, I'm your co-host Noah. My call sign is Nebraska Oscar Alpha Hotel. Oh, nice. Oh, that's well clever. done. And I'm Adrian. Your peer. Well, I'm Adrian. Your <laughs> producer. Beautiful and stoned. Oh, it's true. 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 You can't true. see it, folks, but this guy's tight. beautiful. Tight. I'm the Donis behind the <laughs> behind the board here. Right on. Well, yeah. Welcome back, guys. Welcome back to the OG format. I know back we took a saddle. little. Yeah, this is, feels good. It feels good. I know we took a little bit of a extended uh, break from the huge to um, do our March Madness uh, tournament, and of course, uh, the winner of that, the American Radiohead Championship, was none other than Wilco. And so, uh, their trophy, their prize, if you will, is us doing a full episode about what's arguably their best album. You know, yeah. and uh, or at the very least, an album that represents their rise as the American Radiohead the best, you know, mm-hmm. their mm-hmm. biggest um, album, their biggest album critically. I don't know about units, probably units wise, too. But would you what say album? what's that? Go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to I was going to kick it over to Noah and have him, you know, formally introduce it. Oh, yeah. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. So today we got. From the year 2002, I guess. Correct. Always up for debate. <laughs> it says on the back of my vinyl record here. Oh, okay. From the year 2002, we have Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Their, I don't know, fourth, fifth album? Fourth. 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 Okay. If you're not counting the Mermaid Avenue records, which I don't think uh, we we are, but yes, they're yeah, because collabs, covers, yeah, yep. or studio album. Yep. Uh, what was your question, Adrian? Your I was going to say, is this their magnum opus? Yes, I'm cool with that. I'd say it's one of those things where it's like it might not be my favorite Wilco album, but probably push come to shove. I, I would have to say it's their best album. Yeah. I can't disagree with that. I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's definitely my favorite Wilco album and probably their best album. So yeah, I don't have to do the, the mental work to different. Yeah. I guess I put about. being there. Number one still. Yeah. It's a good one, man. It's hard to beat. Yeah. I have a soft spot for summer teeth personally, but yeah. I don't know. Summer Teeth is one I'm always like, oh, I need to listen. I should listen to this one more because every time I listen yeah. to it, I'm like, oh, that's that's like almost equally as good as uh, Hotel Foxtrot. Yeah, it's no, great. That's true. Fantastic. It record. is a bit of a um, not underrated or underappreciated, but yeah, I, I, it's under listened to, at least in my in my household and in general, I would say. But it's really fucking good. Yeah. It's a bit overshadowed by its uh, compatriots there, uh, the second and the fourth record. Right, right. Kind of get squeezed, yeah. But, that's yeah, true. yeah. But Even I would definitely there. say, like this, this album 
gets a fox shot, it's like they're shot across the bow, you know, mm-hmm. being like, we're here, we're dads, fucking deal we're with rads. it. We're rads. <laughs> we're rad dad. We got, we're deep. We got Pill shit to say. Daddies. Yeah. yeah Pill popping. We're, we're still relatable. drugs. We're relatable. We got like two junkies in the band still. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <Shit>. <laughs> <laughs> We're cool. from a we're from a hard scrabble huge city. Yeah. So who are they Chicago. going up against? No, that's over. <laughs> that's that is oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're attorney going up attorney against, play. They're only they're going up against themselves. Well, how do we turn this into some type of sports thing that I can gamble on? <laughs> uh, how about runtime? But then you control that. So. Over under. Oh uh, yeah. I could, yeah. I could shave. Yeah, you're like me. No, you're not shaving. You're what's adding? You're like oh, okay. Where are we? Yeah. we need one of those. Uh, uh, I got two oh five. You guys see this thing in the news? Uh, what we episode need one of those is boxes this? in the corner? This is episode forty six. Yeah. yeah. Cool. We're getting getting up we're there. Getting there, yeah, we we're got getting a up there, sizable amount. Yeah, for the three years we've been doing it, which is it's hard to believe we've been up up to it for that long, but that's pretty good. That's good numbers. Yeah, it's like once every three weeks, yeah. <laughs> give or take. Sure, yeah, <laughs> give or take. I mean, I think like the average podcast is only like less than ten episodes. Honestly, for the amount of people who try it. Yeah, folks, you got like what I don't know, a couple those. hundred hours of us out there now. It's uh... all those posers out there. <laughs> 10 episodes yeah. in. Yeah. We're giving you 46 episodes of like really good content. We can't get one like yeah. tribute account on Instagram or something. <laughs> we can't where's get re- Reddit. We can't get retweets. Yeah, where's our slash whacker slaps? Where's all of our wackies? Where's our, where's where's our Discord going, folks? What are our fans called? Wackies? Wackies? Slappers? Slappers? Slappets. Wassies? Wassies? Uh, oh, that sounds, that sounds like weird. it could be. Yeah, that could be something. That sounds like a thing. Yeah. <laughs> Whack whackers sounds bad too. I don't know. What are, just the was was heads. The was heads is pretty good. Was was army was hive. Oh, you was like uh, there? Caleb's army. That sounds best. That's cool. <laughs> Team Noah. Team Noah. No, we all know Adrian. All the A heads. Has the, the, yeah. <laughs> the biggest following. The Adrian Aids. Yeah. <laughs> the Adrenos. The pro producers. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. I guarantee the you. Pro lifers. I probably have the most. I would say probably the most hate. Like that guy. <laughs> I like the, the wild that card. one guy. <laughs> I think you literally called it in like your fir- the first ten episodes, or whatever. You yeah. like, you're like Babe Ruth calling your shot. You're like, I'm the wild man. Watch out. <laughs> Hot fair, takes. Fair warning. All right, let's stop this nonsense. <laughs> yeah. Caleb, what do we do? I forgot the format. Let's go. Yeah, no, I'm a little <laughs> old. Uh, Adrian, do you have a review? Yeah, uh, uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot from the year 2002 by the band Wilco. Winners of the 2023 Division I American Radio Challenge. Yes. Champion. Congratulations. Congratulations to, uh, to the winners here. Yeah. Putting uh, up another, uh, some hoisting up in the Raptors in Chicago yet again. I will say, oh yeah, I will say that we usually do kind of a what's their deal before this, but because we've already covered Wilco in our episode zero, 
yep. our pilot episode, you can go back and kind of listen to the demo us, uh, jibber jabbering about that stuff. So yeah. if yeah, you want to go, go back a, a few rough. episodes and uh, it's a little rough sonically, <laughs> but, uh, but the content is good folks. Yeah. I'm like, uh, a, I like their demos more than I like, like any full lengths. Oh, anyways. Yeah. Well, I listen to a lot of like death metal and stuff. So that's yeah, kind of yeah. par for the course, but also Indeed. I feel like we got, greatly into what their deal was in the tournament as well oh yeah oh yes yes we did (laughs) (laughs) playing a little armchair psychologist in fact this episode uh, is actually just a remix of everything we said in the tournament that probably feels like four hours of runtime right there yeah well they say once you get about 40 episodes of a podcast you can have ai kind of take over and (laughs) And we will i've been feeding it into uh to uh Pod GPT and uh, you know, yeah. eventually we won't even uh, they won't even need us. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna start recycling segments and shit like This American Life and stuff. They give you the uh, like Forrest Gump treatment where they got like JFK talking about seeing your butt or, <laughs> or uh, what a timely reference. <laughs> LBJ, yeah. like, dude, I have still haven't seen it. I'd like to see that wound, son. <laughs> That still, I'm. That still holds up pretty good. I must say that not or, the movie, uh, not Forrest the film, Gump, <laughs> not the film, but uh, the special effects. That test, yeah. That that's or who's uh, what's the guy, the British dude from Star Wars, Alec Guinness? Oh, uh, <laughs> the one where they just like CGI'd him in, into like a whole scene in the movie. Christopher Lee. Oh, uh, no, the uh, other one, the other Peter hammer. Cushing. Peter Cushing, yeah, the Hammer Films guy. The weird thing about that is they had an actor who was like a spitting image of him, like, and they, but they, like, they they did the digital makeup so he looks like Cushing. It just felt, it's like, why don't you just go with the actor? Like, we all know this is a movie. Like, you don't fucking care that it's. I want to see other than that. There's before. (laughs) Other than that, there's nothing really wrong with those movies. No, one hundred percent fantastic. My, across the, the minor board, qui- minor quibble. There. Actually, that's from. Hey, if that's uh, the worst thing that's in a movie. Come on, it's pretty. It's gonna be pretty good. I think that's it, from Rogue One, right? Which is probably one of the better ones of yeah. the later movies. Here's my impression of a Star Wars fan. I don't like Star Wars because it's not Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> pretty much sums it up there. But uh, right. speaking of Star Wars, which is another Wilco oh, nice. record. Let's get, to, uh, Let's get to no, we'll, we'll get to that one. in episode like 348. <laughs> yeah. Uh but anyway, segue like that in the first episode. I can guarantee that, folks. <laughs> yeah, we we really we got it down to a science, folks. But we're yeah, so we're rock we're we're gonna walk through Wilco's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Uh I do have a review here from Pitchfork, which they gave it a perfect score, a 10 out of 10 on a first release. Whoa. Uh, this predates Best New Music by a couple years, so they didn't get it initially, but the reissue from last year did get a Best New reissue, and coincidentally, it also got a perfect 10 once again. So, Was that the one that was like a... a did they get it remastered or something? Or It's remastered, and then there's like 11 discs of extras yeah, yeah, yeah. and demos and live recordings and, and different alternate takes and things. It's it's actually pretty cool. I, I haven't cool. D- dug into all of it, but there's a lot of great, great stuff on there. There's some great B-sides and stuff from the Sick. era and some alternate takes that are really cool. Kind of an alternate, alternate dimension versions of this record basically which is kind of a cool idea but going back to the pitchfork review here i have it from the original one in 2002 it was reviewed by 
Brent Serrata, uh, who I think was a big writer over there in the early days, but I can't recall too too well. It's been uh, quite a while. But here we go. Here's a little excerpt from his review, which, by the way, was just like the epitome of the era of pitchfork of just overwriting and using way too many gigantic words for no goddamn reason. It's like when you're looking up a recipe for like spinach dip. <laughs> yeah, it's just like then, I don't. And then somebody's <laughs> talking about like their estranged parents. And <laughs> yeah, this is trip too to much. the store. You're doing too much, folks. <laughs> Let's just uh, talk about the music. But anyways, here is the excerpt. So does Yankee Hotel Foxtrot justify the controversy, delay, and buzz? Everyone, I think, already knows that the answer is yes. All I can offer is me too and reiterate. And after half a year living with a bootleg copy, (laughs) the music remains revelatory. (laughs) Complex and dangerously catchy. Lyrically sophisticated and provocative. Noisy and somehow serene. Wilco's aging new album is simply a masterpiece. It is equally magnificent in headphones, cars, and parties. And as anyone who's seen the mixed bag crowd at Wilco shows knows, it will find a home in the collection of hippies, frat boys, acid-eating prep schoolers, and the record store apparatchiks of the Indiocracy, which I guess is us. No one is too good for this album. It is better than all of us. Uh, so, pretty yeah. used a hyperbolic. Lot of, uh... He used a lot of uh, synonyms for white dudes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. You know, pretty hyperbolic. Prep schoolers. What about acid eating state school attenders? Hell yeah. I guess when this album came out, this was Catholic school. We were Catholic school. Yeah, that's true. So we were kind of the equivalent, right, of prep school in a way, even though. Anyways, but uh, yeah, I thought, you know, it's a hyperbolic review in general, but, you know, it's kind of. A record that deserves it, especially at that point, because the hype was overwhelming at that point when it was finally released after, you know, I mean, I'm going to get into it, but needless to say that the there was a lot of um, people were looking forward to this uh, record. And uh, once it dropped, it really delivered. So I can get a bit into the background here. It was recorded from late 2000 to early 2001. It was produced by Wilco with additional mixing and engineering help by Jim O'Rourke, uh, the pro- producer and musician extraordinaire. Yep, one of the Chicago greats. Uh, it is the first, re- <clears throat> excuse me, it was the first Wilco record to feature drummer Glenn Kochi, 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 Kitchen Sink Coach, and the last to feature multi instrumentalist Jay Bennett. The remaining Wilco lineup was rounded out by, uh, of course, uh, band leader Jeff Tweedy, uh, the original bassist John Sturratt, who's still with the band, and multi instrumentalist Leroy Bach, who would go on to uh, leave the the, the band, uh, I believe, after the next record, if I remember incorrectly, perhaps before, but I'm sure people will correct me on that. Uh, so, the record was released by Nonsuch Records on April 23rd, 2002. It is their fourth studio album, as we mentioned. Prior to recording the record, Tweedy had been asked to perform at Noise Pop Festival in Chicago. Uh, Noise Pop is a big uh, festival that takes place in uh, cities across the world. There's big, uh, usually a big uh, weeks-long thing in San Francisco, which I've uh, gone to shows for and stuff. It's pretty fun. But anyways, he was uh, allowed to choose his collaborators. And so he chose Jim O'Rourke, who he was a fan of. This is in 2000. And uh, O'Rourke said, hey, let me hook us up with uh, Glenn Kochi. He's a drummer I know. And uh, they performed at the festival on May 14th, 2000. So almost exactly 23 years ago. And they the collaboration went so and well. And our sister Molly's 10th birthday. Oh, oh. happy birthday. <laughs> 
so the collaboration went so well that they decided that they wanted to record an album together and they went on to record uh, six songs uh, as Loose Fur. I made a mistake of calling them Handsome Fur, which is another indie rock kind of super group, but they are in fact Loose Fur. And that was sort of the origin of Kochi joining Wilco and and, and Jim O'Rourke becoming a me- kind of a extended member and producer. It kind of reminds me, the name kind of reminds me of uh, Robert De Niro's character in Angel Heart. Lou Cipher. Yeah. Very clever. We did this bit already. (laughs) What? When? I think he might have been gone. (laughs) Damn it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I may have had to correct myself on that last one. But uh, by the end of the uh, the year 2000, they had essentially recorded enough demos for the the Force to You album, which they had tentatively titled Here Comes Everybody. But Tweedy was unhappy with the original drummer, Ken Coomer's work uh, on the demos, and he was replaced by Kochi officially in January of 2001. Uh, and then O'Rourke was also brought in to help mix the album, and, and he became just kind of like the you know the sixth man for them. As with the prior Wicko records, uh, the you know the songwriting and creating duties was split between Bennett and Tweedy, with Bennett kind of more focused on the individual songs and crafting the the sound of them, while Tweedy was sort of you know, the, the overarching songwriter and uh, working on the big concepts and themes and ideas of the record. But during the recording of the album, these two uh, ran into conflict. This is clearly depicted in the great, great documentary, which we've talked about before. Uh, I Am Trying to Break Your Heart, directed by Sam Jones. I'm putting um, a marker down right now. We will do an episode on that at some <laughs> point. Yeah, we'll have to do a twin cinema on that bad boy cause yeah, it because it is a great, we- great film crack that egg and start talking about that in this episode this episode will be like six hours long yeah i won't get too into so much to mine in that i will oh yes i will mention one one scene in particular that is is that stands out and it involves the transition between ashes of american flags and heavy metal drummer it's like this extended kind of thing where bennett and tweety are arguing and you know basically bennett's like giving them a bunch of different ways to uh to edit the track and tweet just like you know what just just do it like i i'm just i just want to get it done i don't I just please stop you know bothering me with all these <laughs> questions basically and you know it's kind of a, a memorable scene in the movie but the differences between them would eventually lead to bennett being removed from the band by tweety following the recording of the album so he well, yeah he was kicked out of the band i think uh as he says in the doc he was Tweety was jealous of the attention he was getting. <laughs> yes. Right. That part is really sad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't think he liked the attention I was getting from it was the dreads, bro. Pulling too many eyeballs. Yeah. Um, <laughs> well, well, yeah. But uh, brother Zachary used to call him uh, Philip Seymour Perner because <laughs> uh-huh. he was because <laughs> he was a mix between Philip Seymour Hoffman and is it Dave Perner from Soul yeah. Asylum? Oh, yeah. Who, who won? <laughs> White one boy Dave, dread. One Dave Perner is in that documentary. Yeah, he yes, he's, he's trying to sell their pizza. A slice he's like, pizza. is it cool? Is it cool? It's cool, right? <laughs> Great film. Great. Can't wait yeah. to to cover that. Yeah. But moving on, uh, the album's name was derived from the phonetic alphabet, uh, which Tweety had heard on a box set collecting recordings from number stations. If you don't know what a number station is, basically there are these like short wave, long wave, I don't know which one, but uh, radio stations where they're just like reading off numbers and it's kind of like 
not really known exactly what it's for. Most people just assume it's for like spycraft and things of that nature. But they're really interesting recordings and kind of kind of creepy, kind of otherworldly in a way. But they, he had this box out of them and he liked uh, the way they sounded and he liked the the phonetic alphabet, the alpha whiskey tango kind of thing. So he took the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot from that. The cover, which is pretty iconic at this point, and it's kind of weird precursor to 9-11 to in, in a way. I don't know what day, when the album out was finalized, but it's very eerie how close it was, considering it was originally supposed to be released on September 11th. But it depicts the cover depicts two Marina City apartment complex towers in the band's hometown of Chicago, Illinois. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's kind of a great minimal album cover. So as I mentioned, it was originally slated to be released by Reprise Records on September 11th, but uh, following a disagreement with the label over the perceived non-commercial sound of the record, they kind of backed out and said, we don't want to release it. So the band negotiated back the rights to the record. They offered them, they were going to offer them $50,000, but then the record label came back and said, you know what, we're just going to give it to you for free and release you from the contract. And so they were like, all right, fine. And once they had it, they released it for free on their website on September 18th, 2001. Uh, this was done partially because there was a leak. Essentially, once they were, were dropped from the record label, the album leaked. And so they wanted to make sure that there was a good quality version out there on the internet. And uh, so they put it out themselves. This is kind of the early, early days. They're one of the first bands, I think, to do this. Not the first, but one of the first bands to do it. And um, on that first day, they received over 50,000 hits, which was eight times their typical daily traffic, which is pretty wild. And uh, the the visitors to the website quadrupled in the following months. So it was really driving a lot of traffic. People were listening. People were devouring these songs to the point where when they began touring um, in the next few months, they noticed that fans were singing along to a lot of the unreleased songs. <laughs> so like they had already internalized all of these unreleased songs already. Both major and indie labels made bids to release the the record because it was starting to get hype, of course. And the band eventually settled on non-such records. Uh, Tweedy liked the roster of artists. There's a lot of good artists on there. I mean, I off the top of my head, um, you know, Tom Waits and a couple of other uh, artists uh, that, that are very, you know, known for wanting to have creative control and things like that. So he decided that that was a good spot for them. They decided not to go with an indie. They just felt that it would not have enough they wouldn't be able to put enough, uh, out enough albums for them. He wanted to really hit like the mainstream big audience, maybe not the mainstream, but he wanted to hit a large audience. So ironically, he signed, they signed with uh, Nonsuch, which is another Warner label. So basically what they, they sold this record to Warner twice because reprise is also a Warner label. So they sold it to, to reprise reprise gave it back to them. And then they sold it back to Warner uh, under the Nonsuch records contract so that became part of the kind of mythology of this record um and of nice. course once it was released Robin peter to pay paul <laughs> yeah so once it was well something like that uh <laughs> so once it was released of course it received a lot of critical acclaim i mean almost every publication uh was you know highly praised it you know for its really uh complex nature and experimental nature and it's kind of this big leap forward for the band and a bunch of publications including pitchfork you know 
Entertainment Weekly, NME, All Music, Rolling Stone, all of them were really, really um, big on this record. Um, and actually, I have a quote here that's kind of relevant to the our past few episodes. So Uncut Magazine, I don't know if you guys remember Uncut, but they gave it Sounds a four. Familiar. It was a, a, like a, a, a UK relatable, magazine. relatable magazine. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, getting uh, getting a little uh, <laughs> private there. Um, <laughs> so they gave it a four out of five, and they said the most common description of this much discussed album over the past few months is that YHF is America's Americana's Kid A. In truth, uh-huh. it's more successful than that. So they're saying not only they're saying it is America's Americana's Kid A, they're saying it's better than Kid A or more successful Whoa. than Kid A. That's fighting words. Yeah, it's made in America. <laughs> Sound off in the comments. <laughs> but Pull anyways, up, England. <laughs> yeah, you limey bastards. So it it has been subsequently placed on like a lot of best of lists. It landed on number four on Pitchfork's best of the two thousands list. Landed on number three on Rolling Stone's best albums of the decade list. Uh, it was originally at four ninety three on their five hundred greatest albums list. But it got bumped up to 225 on the 2020 yeah. reboot of the list. So quite a quite a jump there for Rolling Stone. And it was also top the uh the Village Voice Paz and Jop Critics poll, which is a um kind of a uh classic uh poll, um classic kind of critics. What, what am I trying to say here? It's, uh, it's, critics have a say. Uh, and it, it's the critics critics poll. Yes, whatever you know. Critics uh, Choice Awards. There you go. Something like that. But the album sold 55,573 units in its first week, peaking at 13 on the Billboard 200. Uh, It is Wilco's highest selling numbers. Yeah, it it moves some units. And it is indeed certified gold, having sold over 590,000 copies. Uh, I'm not sure where it's at now, but it's certainly, I'm sure it still remains their bestseller. And then, yes, as we mentioned, the 20th anniversary of the record saw a new reissue that included a super deluxe version with a lot of demos, a lot of alternates, and a lot of cool stuff. And it did receive that perfect 10. So it's worth it's worth seeking out for sure. Nice. Um, but yeah, that that is the that is the Yankee Hotel Foxtrot background in a nutshell. I remember yeah, back in 09, I think I made a top 10 of my favorite records of the decade i think i had wilco this one number one i don't know if i'd still have it i'd have to was it carter three would that be a real number one <laughs> no probably probably supreme clientele i think would be number yeah. one which i think this album is weirdly reminds me of in a way i'll get to it later hmm. interesting all right interesting yeah this 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 episode checks off a lot of boxes because like it's a 10.0 album it's in a lot of ways it's a classics album it's the winner mm-hmm. of a tournament album you know it's a return to our origins episode so yeah that's neat a lot of layers on this onion. yeah yeah and it's cool that like this has, yeah has such a storied background you know and everything kind of makes each listening feel, feel a little deeper oh yeah it certainly has built this kind of myth around it as being this sort of uh this kind of epic thing that, you know, had such a hard time to be released, even though they had a lot of control over how it, it obviously over the sound, but then how it was released. It's, uh, it's interesting. And there's a lot of parallels, I think, to some, the to Radiohead and some of the other artists that would come later. Yeah, totally. And I think like at this time too, there's a lot of like uh, pearl clutching from like, you know, the, the, 
the critics community and everything about like oh we're losing the album because like bands can't get paid enough to make albums because of file sharing and everything so there's all these other genres that are singles based and like we're not turning out great american albums or whatever and then this album comes along you know and a, a number of other ones like really you know like good hip-hop albums the white stripes and shit where it's kind of like they're kind of there comes this view into it from from the media and critics and everything they start to kind of you know see it like look under the hood and like have a discussion around like making great albums and stuff again so that's kind of kind of came at a cool like inflection point for that yeah i would say yeah it was an exciting and kind of just like brave new frontier for a lot of these bands just trying to figure out yeah. the internet trying to figure out this kind of post millennial thing you know uh yeah uh, music world where things are evolving yeah. away from you know physical media and totally. for a while there there's a discussion like does every song have to mention the millennium Post yeah. Willennium, post uh Robbie, what's his nuts? Williams? Millennium song. Yeah. yeah. So that was a real concern. Was that guy still he's like James Bond, but a pop singer? Was that his <laughs> whole like vibe? Robbie Williams. He's cool. <laughs> didn't he get didn't he get in trouble for something? I don't know. But I saw him like perform at the opening of the World Cup on TV years ago. Oh. But wow. yeah, yeah, and there was like less like atomization of There's like genres chronic, and stuff. Two thousand and one. Yeah, you had to have you had to address it. Two thousand two thousand century changed. We had to talk about it. No, yeah, I think you're right. I think there was a a sort of um, need for like the album, you know the yeah, and, and the discuss L- it in the, the in LP is dead, long live the LP yeah. type of thing. Well, because then it was also kind of like what was selling a lot too was you know, OSTs and fucking greatest hits and like comps and things. And then like bands that hadn't been around for that long were re- re- releasing best ofs and stuff too. And it's kind of like things are kind of getting rehashed and people are like, oh, who's like in the studio making the publishing these great works of art and everything. But yeah, yeah. this album, something was cool. And, and it's also like, there's all this, the the genres were less atomized too you know people were incorporating a lot more things and kind of scenes were you know the those those kind of uh borders were becoming a little bit more porous a lot more cross-pollination yeah i mean like this album famously has like trip-hop elements in it (laughs) yeah you can thank us millennials for that (laughs) yeah yeah 100 we don't even see that's one thing we didn't genre (laughs) yeah we don't we're not into labels you should have seen the playlist we were making back then. It was fucking the Wild West. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I know. Like we we're kind of joking around about it, but it's true that like this, like this album, like the Radiohead, like Kid A, like it's definitely speaking to something very turn of the millennium, where it's incorporating electronic music. It's kind of bridging into certain divides. It is kind of feels more global in a way in terms of yeah. like incorporating other sounds and other weird elements there's a lot of interesting things going on specifically at this time and and i think they were able to really push things forward and capitalize on their own sort of you know minor fame in order to kind of elevate this record and i think 
I'm glad that it became sort of, you know, this, this kind of big thing because a, it's a great record, but B, it also proved that like this kind of record can exist and can sell and can be successful if it's pushed by the right people and it's done properly. And yeah. I think that that made it a lot easier. And I think also Kid A paved the way for this. I think, especially comparing the reception to Kid A, which we'll get into, you know, soon. But um, I think comparing the the reaction to Kid A versus the reaction to this, I think that that was the reaction to this was softened. I think a bit because people realized like the knee jerk reaction to Kid A was not exactly fair or accurate. And I think yeah. that maybe some critics were like okay, I think it's okay for bands to kind of, not that this is a huge left turn, but it is a left turn and it is an evolution of their sound. Yeah. And it is different from what they were before. So yeah, sure. and, I think that and, people were more open to it because of, of Kid A in the totally. world. Yeah. And like you had to, you had to give the listeners some credit. You know, I think there was a lot of trepidation kind of after, you know, the moment with, you know, REM into Nirvana and everything where it's like, and then the record labels became a little bit more, they kind of retreaded and got into a little, they kind of a little more risk adverse, you know, and being like, Oh, like, Oh shit. We opened the door to punk and, you know, like weird music and like art rock and art pop and everything. But then there's kind of like, they're like, I don't know if that's actually going to appeal to more people, you know, maybe where people were in it. Cause they liked, the radio friendly hook so they liked kind of the callbacks to classic rock so but then i think they're afraid of what kind of potential potentialities they were creating by letting kind of more outsider underground music in to the mainstream so it seems like you know with whatever what's called like post grunge and all those kind of bands and it kind of seems like they dialed the weird back a little bit mm. you know and then it kind of took four or five years for things to kind of like retrench and be like no it's like let's kind of let these musicians doing interesting weird stuff at a pretty high you know bigger scale on a kind of mainstream level let's let them cook a little bit let's let them be a little bit more weirder and like the audiences have already kind of primed themselves for that you know and like you know festivals were getting more eclectic and stuff so they were like already kind of listening to a bunch of different bands and kind of the gen x moment you know people had really big yeah. eclecticism was like a hallmark yeah. of that and it was okay to have like a really random record collection shit and yeah. like well with the internet you weren't yeah uh, and the internet's like relying on like for that i mean you can still listen to like college radio to sure discover new music and stuff but you weren't rely you were just reliant on your own sense of kind of self-discovery like uh you kind of you could form your own taste a little mm -hmm. differently than the past the the device in which you well there's more things there's more access to things yeah. and things start to open up a bit more and certainly it's a lot easier than you know the yeah the days where you had to read a liner note or had to read a zine to find new bands or you know you go to the library go to the library of course or but you could like curate your own taste in a more diverse way. Yes. Post internet because yes. the, like magazines and even certain early blogs always had their, their voice where it's like, this is the type of music yeah. that, we, that we promote. 
this there is was like a weird democratization of like the yeah. asshole at the record store you know that <laughs> the asshole at the record store was everywhere now and that was that was the internet yeah or that yeah there was more variety of assholes yeah yeah totally yeah. all right what's next well uh, let's take a, you guys want yeah. to take a quick break because you know the we got the you know, kind of talking about our personal histories, and I feel like that's going to be a pretty big, yeah, sizable chunk. You know, a lot to lot to talk there. So let's uh give ourselves and the listeners a little break before we jump in there, and then we'll hit the ground running. Very nice. All right, and we're back. Hope that break was good for everyone. Yes, so let's let's just jump right into it. I know this is a album we're going to dissect heavily. It's album looms pretty large so yeah let's just get into it let's talk about our personal histories Who wants to go first i, I can, can go first oh okay. oh, yeah, go ahead. oh adrian by all, all means at once no. all right all right i can go i can go, I can go uh, first oh no wait oh. <laughs> no go ahead adrian. first episode back and we're already falling apart. we're like the modern nba here we don't have a point guard <laughs> oh we have too many no uh, i can I can get through mine pretty pretty quick because uh, it's it's a little hazy uh, the memories, yeah. um, but the first time I I do know that the first time I heard music from this record was when I was watching Conan in the summer of O two, uh, which I was a Conan. yeah peak Conan. I was a devoted Conan watcher at this point. I was like always had the cool band, masturbating the, bear. Oh yeah, appropriate Frankenstein, Frankenstein, great. Great bits, very funny, very uh, great era of Conan, but they they were on there in okay, I think like we'll, July we'll... or something like. Oh yeah, uh, that's uh, I think that's from Thirty Rock. But anyways, maybe it's from, anyways maybe it started on Conan. Uh, the they played "I'm the Man Who Loves You" and they it was like a really ripping version and it's great. I actually rewatched it earlier. Um, Jimmy Vivino plays like acoustic guitar and it's it's pretty good. The mixing is shitty as always on television, but it's a great performance. And I just remember being like you know stoned sophomore in high school uh, at fucking you know twelve thirty whatever like you know uh, one o'clock in the morning and just being like this is fucking great. This is incredible. Like I love this. But it wasn't until I think uh, the timeline is a bit fuzzy, but I think it was a little bit after this. So maybe a few months later. So this is like uh, not too far after it was released, but it wasn't at release yet. Like we weren't quite I wasn't quite into them. And I don't think any of us were really like day and date release local fans yet. Yeah, no. definitely not. But no. uh, but a few months later, I picked it up. I think it was burned for me by. Our pal Eddie V, and uh, I think it was, yeah, I think I went over to his house and he 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 burned it for me, and uh, I listened to it the first time all the way through, and for, ever since then it's been kind of a mainstay. Like it was sort of a, it was definitely immediate. Um, I I think I had heard some of their tracks before, besides "I'm the Man Who Loves You." I think they were like on Leno and some other things, so I probably seen them on some other television shows and maybe heard them on like yeah the college radio or something some good looking denim you guys got there yeah he about this uh (laughs) so yeah i i really it really was a kind of a you know love at first listen kind of thing and it became part of you know my teenage sort of indie at that point my teenage indie fandom was kind of at its peak uh you know so i was really devouring as much music as i could as much indie music as i could and this was just like 
hit all the all the right buttons and yeah it became a mainstay for you know the next what 20 22 years so far so yeah it's 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 never really left the rotation there's been maybe times when i haven't listened to it as much but it's a record that I, i've returned to quite a bit and then and even in that era it was a record that i would share with people you know i would play it when it's funny that they mentioned it in the excerpt i read that you know you can put it on a party because weirdly you can kind of put it out in a party depending on who you're around but you know we'd be doing beer bongs and listening Dude, to the shit. it's you know jumping ahead i'm not you know no uh, no um, go, go right spoiler ahead. alert but i have it i put the note that it's a total fucking hangout album yes like, exactly yeah, yeah. it's yeah, like for sure knows relating it to like you know robert altman and like that how will because kind of the robert altman oh yeah, Americana yeah, yeah. <laughs> but like um yeah i'm not saying like robert altman or hangout movies being how like certain movies are just hangout movies this mm-hmm. like there's something about the vibe of this album that is parallels kind of has that spirit of like a really good lush hangout movie yeah for sure you want to go ahead and uh, just jump in then caleb i was pretty much done but, oh yeah. yeah yeah sure yeah yeah this this album yeah it's like kind of one of those things it's like it's always kind of been there, but I don't really, I, I, I'm not super crystal clear on like the origins of it. I do remember being in the Santa Maria, not Santa Maria library. Shout out though. Being in the rival library, the St. Joe's high school library where uh, <laughs> me and Adrian, our little crew um, would spend a lot of our lunch breaks hiding from the bullies. <laughs> no, not really. Um, our old no, office. Just, yeah, no, we just like hang out in there and like, you know, dick around and, tease each other and uh, yeah, do draw, whatever read the dictionary yeah draw yeah it was, it was it was fun but anyways i would always read entertainment weekly because this is at a point where like entertainment weekly r.i.p um Sadly, yes maybe just the print version i actually don't know what it is but they it were is, like just it's the just the print version but that's yeah. so iconic it was so iconic as the print version here. yeah it was like very like it had this like moment of relevance you, you know like i don't know what they were doing editorially or like who they were hiring or like yeah. what the funding was looking like but they had some good shit you know they're they famous for their movie previews of course but like you gotta music... tell me bro i was one of the last subscribers i literally have the last issue somewhere in my house. yeah probably in your truck <laughs> keep all your magazines <laughs> doesn't sound safe but um anyways yeah so anyways uh, and even their music coverage was pretty you know they would cover like your basic shit you know like whatever what is coming out michael bolton but then they always <laughs> probably had one or two people on staff that would be like hey we should talk about queens of the stone age or the fucking right. helicopters you know there would always be it's kind of these weird not fringe but like yeah. mainstream adjacent Jewel but also underground and adjacent Beck. yeah and then the hives and yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Like they were big anim- into the enemy light or something yeah, yeah but totally. it was usually the little capsule reviews and stuff are pretty well written and you know so anyways, I was in, we were in I was in the library at St. Joe's and I picked up the Entertainment Weekly that they had in the back of the library, um, the the north wall there. On the pole? Um yeah, 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 on the poles, yeah, for sure. With the little string holding it back. Oh yeah. Um and anyways, yeah, they uh they didn't have the pole, they had like the flat oh, the pole was a newspaper, never mind. The, yeah, it was yeah. the it was the folder with the thingy in yeah, it. Yeah, it was like the flat, like forty five yeah. degree angle shelf with like the little yeah. string. The periodicals. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I was reading the, the and then like flipping through it, kind of looking for bands I was familiar with or whatever. And then they had like either a review or a preview of the album coming out. And I remember being like, so I was a freshman in high school, right? So like 
my idea around what like genres of music were weren't fully formed. I, like I knew I liked punk and I knew I liked alternative rock or like garage rock, kind of like grittier or classic rock, but I'd never, I didn't really have a concept of what like capital I indie rock was. I'd heard like murmurs of it. I mean, like Adrian would be, would talk about it. Like, there's dude, there's this other shit called indie rock, dude. I'm like, what is that? Is that like alt rock? You're like, yeah, but it's like, it's more college, you know? And I remember, and then like in their review, they were like describing all this shit. And like, I, there was a picture of them and they were kind of, you know, I saw them and I was like, okay, these guys look like they'd be alt rocker guys, but like the way they're describing, I don't know what any of this means. And I, I don't know like how it's going to sound, you know? And it was kind of like, but it's even provocative. And they had like a song called like Ashes, the American flag. And I was like, but that sounds pretty fucking punk, you know? So I was like, <laughs> I couldn't make heads or tails out of this band, but it was, it's, it was provocative to say the very least, you know? And then, you know, as with most things at that age, um, our brother Zachary probably told us about it or was listening to it or something. Um, yeah, that was a, that was a pretty big band for him. And then it like clicked with me there. I was like, oh yeah, that's the man I was reading about. And, but I still didn't understand like what they were supposed to sound like. And then I heard it and it, like it blew my mind in a different way you know it wasn't like the first time you hear like psychedelic music or you hear like you know like gangster rap or something you know it was like it blew my mind how like subtle and kind of quaint in a way and layered and um kind of like laid back but like lush sounding an album could be you know with um and because i didn't really have the vocabulary for that you know i was used to like propulsive heavy guitars you know maybe sensitive vocals and like you know kind of deep lyrics but it was all kind of done in a in a i don't know like in a flatter way and yeah i heard that and it was just like this might be a little bit too sophisticated for me and um just like musically, but I did like the lyrics. I've always, I've always been a lyrics guy. I don't know where that comes from, but I just remember like early on when I was getting into the, you know, this kind of music, just kind of latching onto like sad and meaningful lyrics, you know, there was like Sunday real estate or whatever else. I was always like kind of not lyrics first, but like lyrics aware. And, um, I just remember like, yeah, hearing the lyrics and kind of the sense of yearning and everything and like coming of age in this album. And then, then it got backfilled later by the music being so fucking good. And I was just like, oh no, this is the whole fucking package, but it was kind of a sleeper. It did take me a bunch of different listens. And then also the, you know, the validations of my peers and my brothers to, you know, then be like, no, this shit is like really good. This is like, they're like touching on something something new but but while referencing the old but also kind of like i didn't really know what bands sounded like them that they're contemporaries or what bands they were supposed to sound like i can like kind of piece that together but i think that's a lot easier to do on their other albums you know um mm -hmm. whether you're hearing like the flying burrito brothers or you're hearing big star or you're hearing like the Beatles. you know later the beatles or thin lizzy or yeah noy or whatever later but it's yeah, like sure. this album is kind of like it's really hard to place the influences like um can vibe almost yeah but it's <laughs> like so personal and kind of like singer songwriter centric but also like super jammy you know everything <laughs> i don't know yeah it's sort so, of not to just not to interrupt no, it's of sort of the like 
good artist copy great artist steal kind of thing where mm. it's like they're yeah. not they're they're not ripping anything off outright but there's techniques there's a uh, you know a conception a conceptual uh, framework there's all kinds of other things going on that push this record and elevate this record in a way that makes yeah. it different from the others and that's why it doesn't that's why i think it doesn't necessarily sound like anyone else yeah. but it still evokes these other bands yeah. in the way that they you know the the and their vibe you know it, over it has, word, but it's it's kind of the that's kind of the sense of it it has a lot of variety on there and it kind of encompasses everything wilco had done in the past and would continue to do in the future. But yeah, if you were just listening to it kind of isolated back in oh you know, two, two, yeah. two yeah. it sounded very fresh and like different and like, well, this takes a lot of turns, but you can clearly it is clearly authored by like one man's songwriting. And but then it, it has a really big band sound in a lot yeah. of places. Mm-hmm. But yeah, for for an album that's so varied it, it very much has a, a through line. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. And then, um, yeah. So then the more I listened to it, it was just like all those layers and all those textures and all the kind of peaks and valleys of it just became really comforting and just became like this really familiar thing to me. And it became just like a go-to album um, when I needed to take a step back from like, you know, electric wizard or whatever the <laughs> fuck else i was listening to at that age yeah. and you know and like kind of put me in more blue cheer hey blue put hey, down the blue cheer album <laughs> i was you got me dude heavily <laughs> you, there Santa, was a time for like santa Maria library baby probably three years where you couldn't even check out the blue cheer album because it was I had like it. caleb's I had CD it, player. <laughs> you can think of all the stonerock.com interviews i was reading at the time because all those bands were just like yeah. manchu or and fucking, uh good luck trying like to get highest the... or whatever would be like dude yeah. the band everyone says we sound like sabbath but the band we're really trying to sound like is fucking blue cheer caleb had like the... noted caleb checked out the blue cheer album once a week and then for me it was like good luck trying to get your hands on that Velvet Underground box. Yeah, set. or those head sounds. <laughs> that shit's in my house. Yeah. <laughs> Paid in full. Like no the Berlin trilogy, but yeah. Yeah. yeah for good sure. like, I cleared them out of all everything we read. Yeah. That's true. Still doing it. And then yeah, so then all that just like it it over time it just it just went down so smoothly. You know, it was just like and then it was like on the upswing with all the homies, you know. And yeah, it just became a hangout album and it just slotted in perfectly to just all the moments of adolescence. It's like, you can listen to it stoned. It's kind of a horny record. Um, You know, it's definitely sad and contemplative, but then like, there's just like easy rockers on there too, where you're just like, yeah, I can put this on hangout. Like, yeah. No one's gonna scene is amazing. Yeah, it's incredible. And no one's gonna think it's like this preening indie rock shit. It's like even if it was like a homie who wasn't into it, like they weren't gonna be annoyed by it. They weren't gonna be like, uh-huh. you know, if you put on fucking like the silver Jews or pavement or whatever, they just be <laughs> yeah. like, okay, you know what? Yeah, you, you, or you, even Modest Mouse, who yeah, was popular, it's like popular dude, at the time, but yeah, more challenging or maybe more abrasive or something. Yeah, it's like, yeah, like abrasive and it's like nerdiness. Like they just hear it and be like, oh, yeah, this is, I don't know, this ain't that different from Credence. Yeah. You know, oh, yeah, <laughs> like, there's the, the Americana DNA, yeah, sticks, which is stick stands out. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, you know, it was played at a fair amount of like barbecues and shit too. So, yeah. Um, 
and then like you know i can't praise this documentary enough that i'm trying to break your heart sam jones doc that like that also came into our lives yeah. i think at the same time i don't know who had the dvd i ended up owning the dvd i think i still have it on a spindle somewhere it's kind of hard to find right now <laughs> i got the dvd somewhere yeah. right here damn near impossible to find i, I think i have really. the copy caleb the OG one. You, from, did, were you the one who had the copy, or did somebody have a deluxe version of the CD that it came with it? Oh, I don't know who had it originally, but I yeah. have that copy yeah. now in my, uh, okay. in my possession. It's yeah, a little anyways, beat, the, the disc is a little around. beat up. That thing was a little on beat up, all... but I think it still plays. We probably watched that as much as we watched fucking like Evil Dead or Reservoir Dogs yeah, yeah, or like whatever. Pulp Fiction. Yeah, yeah. it was just like it was like it got played a lot, and it's just like yeah. Well, a good rock doc is just good stoner fair yeah. to watch. Yeah, yeah. it's like well, it's like listening to an tunes. album and a movie. I couldn't decide. Yeah. I was stoned. Because yeah. you got both, you get tunes and you yeah. get conflict, yeah. and it's black and white, so it's artsy. So when you're 14, pretty... 15, you're like, I'm an intellectual. I'm watching yeah, a black but it's and white. Like, and the way that they talk. do it, it's black, but it's episodic they're, too. They're not There's rock these... stars. They're kind of like lived in characters. Kind of schlubby a little and bit. And then the yeah. way that they that they break from like the fly on the wall in the studio stuff to like him doing his solo performances and then yeah. like, oh, that's the dude from SNL. Acting like oh, a weird, right. like whatever, yeah, bossa nova singer. Fetis- yeah, Fetisito. Uh, Fetisito. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so then there's like the, those kinds of weird parts and they're just like blasting cigs and shit. And you're like, damn, this is fucking living. This is, this is shit is tight. <laughs> that loft. Sure. Yeah. That loft. Oh, is the tight. loft, of course. But uh, I was the listening to, uh, I don't know. We'll do that one. Yeah. <laughs> we'll do the, we'll do the doc one. <laughs> we'll do the doc. But I was listening. I'll, I'll leave it with this. I was listening to a, a interview with Sam Jones. who directed it. He recently directed this jason isbell HBO oh doc. i need to watch that yeah, it's so pretty good it's, it's like not as good as but he does the same like the way he does the in the studio stuff is pretty reminiscent and anyway so he was like he said before he was in the project he was talking to jason isbell about just rock documentaries and then like jason isbell said he's like yeah there's the documentaries that the artists make themselves and then there's all the good ones <laughs> uh, that's true especially now especially nowadays. yeah exactly so well, like, now it's, it's it's one of the good ones for sure i think especially i don't know i think there's still good documentaries out there to be had but it's yeah it's much more pr hagiographic stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah than it was before yeah it's it's pr it's marketing yeah. and yeah. especially if the artist has control over it it's just not going to be Words like and yeah and that's the one of the reasons why that movie is so good is because it shows all of it it shows the friction it shows the ugliness it shows the the depths of their their you know issues and yeah you know you don't see any drug use on camera per well, se hey, but you hey, definitely hey, save it for the pod Let's... it definitely felt it's an it's a it, it probably There's a some lot rattling going on to this record i think yeah uh, for sure, we'll, we'll save that for the pod. We'll do an episode on that. Yeah, yeah but cool. also, I, I, I will say one more thing. This became a big album with me, and my wife. So, to all our young listeners out there, get the lover in your life into this album. It'll do you wonders. It'll become your album. You guys will bond over it. And there's just so many beautiful moments yeah, we have to like share in romantic years and counting, fucking lust. Yeah, we've been together for like yeah, sixteen years or something. Yeah, it is oddly a lustful album. Yeah, I never thought I'd say that about yeah. like a tweety type of guy, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you want me to go? It's your turn, yeah. baby. So I myself, like you guys, it was a little bit of a slow burn for me. I cannot, for the life of me, kind of like pinpoint 
my first listen to this. Yeah, right. It's interesting. For, for an album that I love so much, usually I can like I can remember the exact day yeah. and place that I was when I heard that for the first time. But I definitely remember my brother Zachary had the album, and I remember the the cover, and it was one of those CDs that had the soft yeah cardboard case and then yeah remember not being burned because you can always remember no, was it a burned or, or was it a, was it a, a best hard, buy purchase yeah a real one yeah and it had the slider case with the the hard disc uh hard shell yeah you under, pop them underneath. out nice so i always liked the album cover and i was like what is this it sounds intriguing to me and then i think i yeah borrowed it from my brother zachary and listened to it i was like okay i like this but i think it took a probably maybe two more years I was probably around 19, 20 years old where I really kind of fell for the album. And then as I was falling for the album, I was really getting into Wilco. And I had heard Summer Teeth, though, before before uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. So I knew who Wilco was, but... Like I didn't really know like Uncle Tupelo or Sun Vault or anything like that. The backstory. Even, even though my brothers were into that. So I didn't really know it was kind of like this big schism and this shift and there was this competition of, you know, Sun Vault versus Wilco. And I didn't kind of because I had heard Summer Teeth, I didn't realize like what a a leap forward this album was for them and how it was like such a big deal. And I didn't know anything about the, the delayed release. And so for me, it resonated more as like a nine 11 album. Cause it was like, Oh wow. Like they just came out with this. Like they're really speaking to some shit. I didn't know that it was like a year and a half, two years old, like these songs, you know? So it felt very uh, prescient at the time. But yeah, it's it's become a, a pretty much in my rotation. Like I said, I think at the time, like two thousand nine, I would have put it as maybe my favorite album of the decade of the two thousands. I think it's still in my top ten. Um, I would have to check, but yeah, I was just uh, I was always fascinated by this album. Great album cover. It's uh, it has yeah it's equally as weird as it is there's a lot of entry points a lot of accessible songs there's singles on this thing mm -hmm. yeah. that i like which is like they're not trying to hide the fact that like they're not trying to make like some weird dense album like they're it is a collection of like songs like it's yeah. not like it's all that intended. shit is all that shit is earned you know it's not extremely like, yeah. experimental there's no like there's callbacks and motifs and landscapes and stuff there's and, there's trip-hop elements <laughs> yeah there's a lot of elements but it's intended to be listened to it's intended to be a pleasurable yeah. pop experience it's not intended to be a difficult art experience you know what no, i mean yeah exactly exactly it has a real flow to it and yeah. then yeah and then when i was that age i was always kind of looking for these poets like it was like oh wow these lyrics are like like really, you know, like, like very heartfelt and like kind of touching and interesting, even if you don't totally understand them, even if there's some of them are kind of impenetrable, but like, that's kind of the point. So I always like that kind of that. Um, I don't know. I'll get into it with one of my slaps about some of the lyrics on this album, but yeah, it really hit me at the right age. It was kind of like what I was looking for. And yeah. And then Wilco became a band that I, always looked forward to 
to buy their album like the day it came out. I probably did that for their next three albums, I would say. Yeah, day and day. Go down to the Best Buy. Um, Eventually, I did buy this album. I think I was in Oakland before I well well before I lived here. I was like visiting my my buddy. We came down for like a a weekend. We're hanging out with like his sister, and we went to a record store. I don't even know where that record store was. It's definitely not still here in Oakland, but I bought it from there because I wanted just the the hard copy of it. And then uh, I don't know what happened to that CD. I don't have it anymore. But well, I don't really have any of my CDs anymore. But uh, yeah, coming back. <laughs> It was uh, hit me at the right time, I would say, being like a young man. Yeah, it's definitely, it's a young person's album, but it it's not inaccessible to, like, listening to it now, if I just started to listen to them or something, like, I don't think it would be, because some records, they definitely feel like, oh, this is a youthful record for, like, young yeah. people, and I feel like I'm a little bit past this point. This is, like, it's kind of evergreen right in the in terms totally. of what it's talking about i mean it's talking about heartache it's talking about you know um uh, being confused about the self and being confused about your place in the world being confused about the world uh and about how the world is you know messed up or ugly or but also beautiful there's a lot of themes going on that that really carry on throughout all of adulthood but i think especially when you're a young person or just entering into adulthood like the poetry of his lyrics and then the you know the music combined with that it really is a romantic sort of thing for a young person and i think for all of us it definitely was that where we were just all kind of fell in love with this record fell in love to this record you know uh all of it all of it yeah and And it's a total like coming of age record too the way that like the the, it's just oriented and sequenced i don't know like i was listening to it today and i got obsessed with how like what each side kind of like represents and like your whole um you know as you age and progress in age and yeah. come of age kind of all your different current, phases your current reaction caleb yeah let's get into it oh is it time yeah ah fuck it let's go yeah this album still rules it's still fucking like goes down smooth like you know like Jim Beam, like a camel cigarette, you know, just all those like just familiar tastes and sounds and sensory experiences. Like, yeah, it's like a, yeah, it's just like you're saying, Adrian, it's evergreen. You know, it's still like, I, I feel like there's not a wasted second on this record. There's not a second of something being too undercooked or overly indulgent. You know, it's just like so just considered and just like tightly made, but without sounding like it was made by committee or too clinical or too like kowtowing to, you know, the, the, the label concerns or whatever, you know, it's just like this holistic confident record. And like, it's like you were saying earlier, no, the way that it's sequenced and tracked is just like a masterclass in that. Like, I don't know if like Tweety could, go on a I don't know teach some classes on or something or the producers of it like it's just like each track is followed by the perfect track like it's it's, it's pretty insane how they were able to do that the um, ebbs and flows of it yeah exactly and the ebbs and flows and then just like the ebbs and flows within each song are just like yeah it's just like it it, it just it you get so deeply into it when you're listening to it 
but then it also just feels like it goes by super quickly and then you're just ready to listen to it again you know it's like mm-hmm. this kind of weird suspended feeling you know when you listen to this record yeah it's it, it's just like everything just cuts you know it's just like every layer that they do of like the electronic stuff or like the kind of like when they kind of let get a little slacky on the on the jamming and stuff and just like everything is just like perfectly placed and just like cuts through all the noise and just like makes sense in that moment and like it's like i don't i always say i'm a lyrics guy like i probably know every lyric to the song like front to back and i can't say that for a lot of records as much as i like to try you know i often like do sing-alongs and then like realize i know only know 60 percent of the lyrics you know <laughs> yeah it's too. like yeah but like you know, it's it's the thought that counts. You know, I always it's the mishear lyrics and for like yeah. years and years. I'll be like, oh, and then sometimes I'm like, oh, I kind of like my version that I yeah in my head. Yeah, better. totally, totally. <laughs> and uh, yeah. So it's just like it's like Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. Like today was a good day. You know, it's kind of like where I excel the most. <laughs> <laughs> like wrote, but um, yeah, it's just like I feel like I kind of hone in on something every time I listen to it too. And um, this past time I was listening to is the way that it's, yeah, the way it's tracked and how each side just kind of works perfectly. You know, I have the vinyl copy right here. I think we have all our the Wilco Wilco stuff on vinyl. Shout out, nice, Jen. But anyways, that was because you have to like, you know, it's when you're listening to on vinyl, it's like a tactile thing too. You have to like get up and like, and like you know exactly when it ends, and it's just like that ends on the perfect note, and then it like starts back up. And then uh-huh. they do some cool like crossfading stuff between um yeah. like Radio Cares and War on World and then like Jesus, et cetera, into Ashes American Flag and stuff. And and then and I mean Ashes to heavy metal drummer. And like you remember all that stuff too. You know, kind of a lot of times, like kind of like the on an on an album, like the crossfading or kind of like carrying them, interstitials or carrying like a motif into the next song can be a little bit you know, it's, it's gimmicky, you know, but this is just like, it's always meant to be, you know, it's like nothing, fluid. it's fluid and like nothing is out of pay, you know, out of place or out of yeah. pace, really. Like Even um, when it's intentionally abrasive, it all feels true and accurate to what should be there and it's all placed perfectly. It's not, it's, it's intentional. It's not just like, we're just going to have a fucking weird noise feedback yeah. freak out between these songs yeah. for no reason. They're totally. shaping it and forming it into something that's that is an artistic statement, even though it's just sound or noise between two tracks. They're it's, yeah. it's part of the overall uh piece. It's it's yeah. all composed, right? It's all part of this you one unique artistic statement. It's it not, feels like they had a lot is, of uh, you can't excise any of it and expect it to be no, the same. It's yeah, all you can't it, take it all, out. Yeah. It's all important, yeah. All the pieces matter. It yeah. feels like they have a lot of ideas, but it, uh, never meandering or like overstuffed. Yeah, totally. And they're also like easygoing too. Like I've seen, I've seen Jeff Tweedy solo live a couple times, or maybe once. First time I did was in college. I never, I didn't see Will Cotto as much older, but I saw him, and then the opener was Kitchen Sink Koch, and um, which is weird. So I saw like, oh, I saw. I, I could brag to the homies before any of us had money and shit be like, well, I saw a fucking two fistle Wilco. <laughs> I'm like closer than all you guys. But, um, but anyways, like he, he, when he plays live and you can see in the dock too, there's kind of a, a lackadaisical nature to it, you know? And he's like, 
out there having fun and kind of just meandering, you know, because it's kind of like his process, you know, kind of finding all that. And that spirit is totally in this album. But the way that it just like holds together and everything is just like congealed is with all just the, you know, the layering of the texturing and like the blowing out of the sound and the using the room in the studio and like, you know, the perfect guitar, the perfect tube amp and like using all those little pieces to like take the germ of the idea and just like let it blossom, you know? And I think like really great albums do that and like really great studio albums too. Like, you know, this album, you can hear the loft, you know, you can hear the creaky four You can hear all that shit that you can see in that documentary, you know? Yeah, and, yeah uh, sure. Yeah. Uh, so you can feel the warmth of the space that there were. There. Yeah. You can yeah. feel that space, but then, you know, it gets that O'Rourke mastering or totally. mixing yeah. effect where it, it sounds a little chopped up. Yeah. Like it kind of sound, it kind of reminds me of like, uh, it's a totally different genre, but it almost has the vibe of like um there's a riot going on where it's like Yeah, you know, totally. It feels like live in the studio, but then it's like yeah. no, but then they went back and like jumbled everything up and like kind of pasted it all together in a very uh but it sounds very cohesive still. Yeah. It I feel sounds... like there's like callbacks and stuff in this album too. Yeah. Well, it's it's all those are all like composer tricks and yeah. things like that not tricks but composer totally. techniques and things but i think that it it feels very or i think the word maybe that that i would use to describe it is very very organic despite the fact that it's very clearly processed and made totally. yeah definitely um, in a studio like you couldn't necessarily play all of this stuff live exactly the same but that doesn't mean that you can't play these songs live and have them impact in the same way because i've seen mm -hmm. them play them live and have huge impact yeah it's just that I think it's because at the core of all of these songs, no matter how noisy or weird they get or artsy or whatever, there's still a core of a great song. Like a lot, most of these songs you could transfer over to an acoustic guitar. And like you're saying, just Tweety on an acoustic guitar, which he does. Yeah. And strip it, down. it still sounds great because yeah. at the core of it, it's still a solid song with solid songwriting and, and good, you know, good lyrics and good solid structure. And Definitely. that's why they're able to then go and rip it all apart, blow it up, blow certain aspects of it up, piece it back together, you know, make these weird little interstitials, make these, you know, loops and things and just try different things that they weren't um, that really took them out of their kind of comfort zone and yeah. really move them forward in a way that was, you know, a lot different from a lot of their peers, a lot of their peers. For sure. For sure. Adrian, yeah. you want to give your yeah? Why don't you guys just just take yeah, over? Yeah, I can get into it. So I really enjoyed listening to this new 2022 mix. One of the things that I noticed immediately was that the bass is boosted. Not that it was ever, you know, wasn't apparent before or anything, or it was, you know, uh, I don't know, uh, washed out or something. It was always there, but the really the rhythm section on this new mix sounds fantastic. And you know, obviously, Kochi is a really talented drummer and. John Surratt is a really great bassist. So can I give a shout out to Surratt real quick? Yeah. He's a pick player. And yeah. as a young bass player in high school, when you're trying to play with the pick, people give you shit. But then I'd watch the doc and be like, that fool's playing with a pick and he fucking rips. And he's yeah. playing like, you know, he's not playing punk. He's not playing metal. You know, he's just like, he's no. just playing with the pick, dude. He's cutting. It's tight. He's Anyways. great. 
Yeah. And again, in he's very fluid and he's very it really works for them for their for the music. I mean, he's one of the original members. He coming of alpha, you know, coming from Tupelo with uh, Tweedy and and Coomer and some of the other uh, one of the other guys. I can't remember who the other guy was, but but so I really like this new mix. And I think you know you you were talking about those layers and things, Caleb. I think that that one of the reasons it works is because. I think Noah, you mentioned as well, is that it never feels murky. It never feels bogged down. It always feels there's always a clarity to all of the things going on. And one of these things this this new mix does is really kind of make sure that everything has its own space. It was really a good mix on the original version, but this one really highlights a lot of different things. And there's a lot of little nuances and things that underneath that you can really hear that I just really started to appreciate more because. Man, it's just like it's really tough to do that where you have so much things, so many things going on, but it still sounds cohesive and clear and Definitely. it doesn't sound like a mess. Um, totally. You know, and of course, if you're going for that sound like that's that's a different thing. And I like records like that, too. But for this, like it really just works in the sense of like that. Yeah, that organic kind of live feel. But there's still so many different things going on. So many over and undertones of of sound, and it's it's incredible, and you know, and I, I think that owes to a lot of different things. I think it's O'Rourke's mixing. I think it's Jay Bennett's attention to detail. I think you know he does. He should get a lot of credit for this record because he did put in a lot of work to get a lot of those little things going. And then mm -hmm. just Tweedy's just ability to just I don't know what it is, but he just is able to mix the experimental kind of aspects with a pop element that just makes it really appealing. And he just has, I think great it's his use of, it's his use of space. And I think yeah. like he leaves just enough space to where that that's like a little opening first, you know, for some sort of flourish like that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it just works. Like it, it's, it's, it's really solid. And then you put all those pieces together and, you know, you have a, a great sounding record with a lot of different elements coming together to, to make a really cohesive, beautiful whole. And then I really like that you can hear the evolution, you know, having now had 20 years of 22 years or whatever of really listening to Wilco and listening to those records, especially those first, you know, let's say five, six records, you can definitely hear the evolution. You know, I recently re-listened to AM and I love that record. Every time I listen to it, I love it a little bit more. Me too. Yeah. It's that's grown. so good. But yeah, it it's, rips. you know, and you can kind of, there's elements like, there's Ellen, for instance, the, you know, I, I'm the man who loves you. You could definitely see a through line from the early rippers into that one. But yeah. the way that they've been able to t keep that sound whole, but incorporate all these other elements and really make it their own is just really impressive. And the fact that these songs still hit really in the same way that they originally did. And it's, you know, 22 years later, that's yeah. speaks to how good and how solid they are as a band and how good of a songwriter Tweedy is and how solid his collaborators were. But just to finish off here a little, I have a little comparison kind of a and B thing going with kid a. Cause I was thinking about that. Cause I know we're going to cover it. I know we just came off of this big, you know, American Radiohead thing, but I think there's a lot of, parallels with kid a there's a similarity in kind of execution and conception with this where both bands are coming off of you know a, a critically acclaimed album you know where they expanded their sound where they move forward for sure but it was still within the realm of like rock and roll music let's say it's still kind of within it hasn't achieved the next level of really becoming a, a modern and and or a contemporary work of art you know and so 
um, I think that some, they're, they're both coming from a similar headspace of like, we need to really push forward, try different things, maybe get out of our wheelhouse in a way that's super scary, but that's good because we can, you know, th that that's something new, you know, and they were both faced with what's next. Like th there's a lot of hype around both of these bands, probably to a lesser extent for Wilco for sure, but certainly they were a beloved band, a critically acclaimed band, a cult band, more than maybe perhaps more than a cult, but definitely beloved. So there was a lot of eyes and a lot of ears waiting for like, what, what are they going to do next? And so they, in both cases, they're like, well, we're going to turn around and make our best record or magnum opus, our <laughs> most interesting and creative records. You know, both incorporate electronic sounds, both incorporate noise, both incorporate experimentalism in these arrangements. Uh, they're taking cues from art rock. They're taking cues from experimental music, from Aphex Twin, lesser so for, for Wilco, but Wilco is te taking techniques of texture and stuff like that that those electronic music artists are doing. And I think both both of these departures really worked for both bands. Obviously, Kid A was a little bit more misunderstood initially. And I think that so that's probably misunderstood. <laughs> I think that's because it was a bigger <laughs> leap, perhaps. Um, even though these are both gigantic leaps forward. But I think, as I mentioned before, I think that that also allowed this record to have a little bit of a softer landing. You know, there were still some critics who were who were like, yeah, uh, most famously, I think. Christ Scow gave it a kind of a, a you know a lukewarm response, but it was uh, it was certainly I think it certainly benefited from Kide having paved uh, paved the way uh, just a year earlier uh, or a year and a half earlier, and then both albums were definitely aided by internet hype. Both you know suffered leaks. Both were you know used the internet in interesting and unique ways. Uh, we'll get into that next time with with kid a but both of them are using the internet to stream things to make to give the the band more power around how they're distributing their their music um and then both of these records served as paths forward for the band you know they yeah. they both took what they learned on these records and either blew it out or made it incorporate into their song per their, their song structures and songwriting permanently but then it, it's interesting because both bands kind of circled back and incorporated like earlier elements, softer pop elements of their song. And to the point where they're now have, there's a, like a, a definite Radiohead sound and a definite Wilco sound, right. That we're all kind of know. And then yeah. I think they're, both of these were difficult recording uh, sessions at times. I know for Radiohead, I think a few of the members just felt like, well, what the fuck is my place in this band now that we're doing things with drum machines or, you know, Johnny can compose, Tom is the singer. Like, what what am I supposed to do? And I think the same for Wilco, where it was like, well, Tweety's trying to get taken in a certain direction with his artistic, you know, sensibility and his tastes and his beliefs. And Jay Bennett is trying to keep all the details together. And and so, you know, there's friction there. And I think that that helped also, even though it was tough and it was difficult, I think that friction also helped them find breakthroughs and and make really creative and interesting decisions and you know ultimately it, it kind of blew Wilco up and it strengthened Radiohead so that's that's an interesting kind of um departure there but you know there's a lot of different things that these bands and art or these artists and albums share and i think the the but the it all comes down mainly to them being just these, these big huge artistic statements that were just monumental in the early 2000s insert in this genre and really important and again paved the way forward not just for these bands but for for a lot of other bands to come 
come along and and kind of take what they did and take their lead and be you know and, and understand that like you can be experimental you can try different things and you're not going to be uh necessarily dinged for it or, or or pop you know people will listen and people will buy the records just just do your thing and um hope that the you know you're you're somewhere where they can help you push it because these have become now two monumental records in the in the history of indie rock and the history of rock music you know or music itself so um nice. so yeah that's kind of my little spiel oh, yeah. on the yeah like that was a good tease for uh next next step nice yeah but um, yeah it is interesting taking these two albums as like a pairing they do slot nicely together um, well why did you get into your uh kind of current reaction though yeah my current reaction adrian is funny just real quick you mentioned uh am their first the wilco's mm-hmm. first album that was made like what seven eight years before this before uh yeah Yankee was it hotel like, foxtrot yeah, i think it's like 95 yeah about six years or so I six think. years something, something like i remember that. because this was essentially my first exposure to wilco yankee hotel hotel foxtrot i almost found it impossible to go back and listen to am for a couple years when i was younger because mm-hmm. i was like what the fuck is this all yeah. country because i didn't gotta, like i didn't associate them with that history yeah which is why I think I like probably still to this day my favorite is probably being there because I think it's it meets their AM and it kind of meets uh this album uh, Yankee Hotel Foxtrot and their kind of Americana all country roots like kind of in the middle. Yeah, it's, um, it's got some like power pop kind of elements to it too. Yeah, it's a little yeah. bit more of a, no, it has a, a lot funner of record. Yeah. It has a lot of variety on there. But anyways, this record I just found it um, on this listen. I listened to it a bunch of times. It's kind of it's one of those albums, Kev, like you were saying. I like remember every note of it, like, and it. Uh, I found it. It's it is. I think over an hour long. It's like eleven songs, but I found it like it felt short. Like every time I listened to it, and it felt like it. You could play it on like a loop, like the way it begins and the way it ends, like just feeds back into itself, like over and over. Like I just that's what I was really struck by this listen was the uh the structure of the album, the sequencing. It like they know when okay, maybe we 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 stretched out a little too much and got a little too artsy, so let's bring them back with like just a rocker. You know, they'd like know when to breathe it back in a bit. Yeah, they always have that push and pull of being more experimental than being more their kind of traditional or, or what they were. I just feel like they're they're now that I know more of the entire story of Wilco, a, a better than I did back then. I can see them kind of like having that push and pull, where it's like, okay, let's write a more straight up Wilco song, and it's like, okay, now let's hit them with more a stranger kind of off kilter ballad, you know, or it's like, or let's hit them with some noise stuff. Like they're really stretching out but yeah i've just found this album like super listenable uh, the uh i i was walking it was a good like walking album great walk i listened to it like two and a half times in a row in one listen like that's how much time you yeah. can like, spend with it. it just on my headphones like not really even doing anything else i was just kind of like pacing around the house like i was just like so into it so yeah i i, I think it really holds up Nice. All right. Brilliant. What should we do now? 
Well, I should hear some of this bad boy, right? Yeah, why don't we take a, a little break and then we'll oh. come back and listen to some of these tracks, some of these fucking killer tracks we've been talking about. Wait. Hell yeah. There it is. Break. <laughs> don't miss it. And welcome back, everyone. Yeah, let's talk about Slaps and Wax. Nice. This album is full of slaps. This whole album's a slap. Yeah. No wax. Pretty much. Yep. Uh, who wants to go first? I think Tweety's ever said, this slaps. <laughs> yeah, probably I think he probably has. Kids. Yeah, he's talking and to his kids. He's like, hey, does this slap? The dad. Like, like dad. Hey. Yeah. Definitely he does. Well, he kid's plays gotta bass. be like 25 now, though, right? Yeah. Well, he plays bass. He's always about talking about slaps. <laughs> One of them plays drums, I think. He plays drums like on tour with, with them. Or yeah, they were in that... They're in the band Tweety, Tweety, right? Yeah. <laughs> also, shout out to Jeff Tweedy for playing a uh, Abernathy guitar, which is a uh, Central out. Coast uh, Guadalupe, California made guitar. I aspire shout one out. day to uh, purchase. Uh, shout Abernathy. out to Primo. Yeah, shout cop, out our, uh, our distant cousin. Those, cousin, cop one of those steeds. Friend of the show, whether they knows it or not, Justin Abernathy. It's a, yeah, the steed. It's a sick Check guitar. Incredible, incredible work out there. Incredible guitars out there in uh, Guadalupe, California. Yeah. It's just the influence of the, the sand and the wind <laughs> and the low sunshine. Well, that right. Chris Fogg like comes in. Tempers the wood just just so. Anyways. Should we uh should we jump in just at the beginning here? Yeah, this this is this has one of the greatest leadoff tracks in recent memory. Recent uh, memory. <laughs> well, you know, recent. <laughs> Relatively recent memory. But, I mean, I listened to it today in my recent um, memory. So, yeah, the gotcha. first track, right? I am trying to break your heart. Yes. I am trying to break your heart. It's like a Screamo song. <laughs> <laughs> this song was the one, because I'm sure we could play it from the from the jump, from the tip top. Dippy, yeah. And it kind of has these sort of almost gibberish lyrics. Like, I'm sure you can find meaning if you like. And it, it reminded me of the opening song on another early 2000s album, uh, Ghostface Killer's Supreme Clientele, the song Nutmeg, how he's just yeah. doing these like fucking weird stream of consciousness kind of. Which has forever been the influence for like drunken like ghost face style freestyles <laughs> yeah that are known um, to happen in our orbit <laughs> but uh yeah but i like that style of uh it reminds me of like hud out like burrow stuff or yeah. like whatever dadaism or some yeah. shit like that i like that kind of weirdo it's like you figure of, out what it means stream of caution yeah but it, this is, you, this is you know what it means just by the just by the evocative imagery even if you can't quite trace yeah. the the thought completely yeah and you know what he with the lyrics in this album aquarium drinker he like presaged the whole like uh like the the with that weird covid cure that like the far right people were pushing <laughs> the that horse it was, it was, powder or whatever no it was the one before that it was, it was like, like aquarium the, cleaner. oh yeah, yeah. Part of it, like, aquarium <laughs> cleaner wow they're sage yeah uh, so he's an aquarium Dixie cup drinker. He's drinking a lot. 
for sure. Yeah, uh, uh, this is definitely the perfect intro. I one note I wrote here is this is where pop meets art. Uh, in the, oh, nice. This is really the like out of the like, game. How you doing, is... pop? <laughs> Name's Art. <laughs> this is my pop art. <laughs> uh, you don't get guys named Art anymore. No, you should bring that back. I, I know, I know somebody named Art. I know a little kid named Art. Oh, that's awesome. I mean, yeah. I guess it's short for Arthur, Arthur, like Arturo, but. I know a guy that's named just straight up art. Just art? No, I, not. I yeah. Know, that's, that's cool. That's it a classic old, like, uh, like Mexican or Filipino dude. Yeah. A lot of those. Art. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Why is that name not there anymore? Maybe it's too close to rat. Art? Yeah. I do know that in Spanish, R2D2 is named Arturito. <laughs> little arthur so uh, yeah that that maybe people are like oh i'm not gonna name my kid r2d2 <laughs> um, anyways uh <laughs> i am trying to break your heart so yeah let's let's hear a little bit of this i think we do have to get from the tippy because it's just it's so such a perfect yeah, introduction noise scape yeah and it really primes you for what this record is going to be it reminds uh, me of if you ever go to like the symphony when they're tuning the orchestra. Oh yeah, it has that vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's it's always a nice raucous kind of weird sound. Um, that's my favorite part about going to the orchestra. Get there early and just listen to them tune. <laughs> it's like, dude, this is some weird ass shit. Avant garde. Uh, yeah, this is the real shit. So here we go. Here is I am trying to break your heart from Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. think that that also showcases like the percussion aspect yeah, of this record this is a very percussion heavy record in the sense that there's a lot of things like coach does a great job of like mixing it up not only is his drumming really good like just his regular kit well, drumming. We've, all, we've all seen the commercial dude that guy yeah can we talk <laughs> about the sync commercial play pots yeah. and pans he could yeah, play a sink. He's playing like the touchless sink. sink he's playing a dang sink <laughs> What was that for? Like Kohler sinks or something? Yeah, Kohler. <laughs> yeah, right. that's just, yeah. All right. it's a solid, it's a solid thing. That must be weird. a Chicago company or something. Like, why was he in that commercial? Uh, maybe they. Yeah, maybe there's. He was like Blue because... Man Group all of a sudden. <laughs> well, because that's kind of his deal. Is he's like, like stomp. A, he's like one of those drummers that's like a percussionist. You know, uh, like he, yeah. he plays a bunch of kind of world. He's like, drums, excuse so. me, I'm not a drummer. I'm a percussionist. Uh, but I mean, I mean, you hear this record, and the, there is a lot of stuff going. There's, you know, shakers and the, you know, different kinds mess. of hand drums. Yeah. And I think he's done like compositional stuff with drums and stuff. Yeah, too. He has, yeah, he has. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. yeah. I mean, he's, he's pretty. He's a yeah, like classic. Pretty accomplished, trained. dude. Yeah, he's yeah. a G. <laughs> yeah, he's a dog. <laughs> he's, he's, a dog. <laughs> he's got that dog in him. <laughs> he does play with his tongue out like Jordan. <laughs> yeah. He's yeah, he's kind of a wild man back there when you see him. Yeah. Um, oh my god. Yeah. He's he's very animated and very it's very entertaining. Um got that, that cool Pete, carpet. Got that Pete yeah. Rose haircut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's he's solid. He kept that for <laughs> he's a long still time. got it, dude. Yeah. <laughs> he's still rocking that. 
uh, here's here's a little bit more of the song uh, before we veer out too far off. Here's uh, here's that uh, that famous lyric. Let's see if we can get that. American aquarium assassin down the Still don't know what that means. See, they have all that noise, but then they have that. They lay in that classic organ where it's like, yeah, that's straight out of like some Stax record shit. That's very familiar sound. Yeah. And then Um, let's just finish off with a little bit of the outro here where it gets pretty, pretty noisy. Yeah. Go ahead, Noah. Sorry. It's only going to say something. Oh, yeah. Just, just comment on the lyrics. Like, I don't know if you dug too deep, you might be like, oh, this is like pretentious or something. But I think his delivery is so kind of earnest and that it's like, there's gotta be some, some meaning there or something, you know, it pulls you in rather than being like you're saying, it's kind of, it's like an abstract painting, but not quite. It's more evocative than actually. He has a line where it's like, take off your bandages. Cause I don't believe in touchdowns or something. It's like, yeah. It was like the whole idea for that movie we had, or you had years ago. It was like before we ever saw a dog tooth, where it's just like every word is a different word. It's like life is a pizza or whatever it's called. (laughs) Hot dog is a movie. Hot dog is a movie. (laughs) That's great. Um, Yeah, here's some of that. Here's some of that noise and different things going on. Yeah, it's like that Noam Chomsky quote about like. Oh, wait, is my, yeah, the linguist, right? That, yeah. Can we talk uh, about the, uh, Epstein's friend? With, yeah, Jeffrey Epstein's uh, yeah. confidant. Yeah. <laughs> Chomsky was? Yeah, he yeah, flew yeah. on just, He flew on Epstein's story just dropped plane. today about that. Oh, <laughs> he flew on Epstein's plane. But he has yeah. that famous <laughs> thing with where... With Woody Allen. <laughs> he, has that, he has that famous thing where... You Allegedly. Like, comedy podcast. <laughs> But you can make a sentence that like sounds like a sentence, but it doesn't make sense. It's like, yeah, oh yeah, it's like yeah, yeah. sleepless green, colorless green dreams, something, whatever. And it's like, oh, that sounds. It, sounds, it, it doesn't have information, but it still has like a yeah, it has, it has a weight yeah. to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, there's a lot of great poetry that is just like that. And I think yeah, it's he, like a tone poem. Yeah, exactly. It's just about like the 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 sounds and the and the, the 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 you know the the feel of the words and they definitely you know they definitely evoke images and and things and and feelings so he's very successful but what uh, should we just jump into the next track now to to track two did we hear the outro after all or I, I played like, a little oh, bit okay, I'll yeah. I'll continue to play a little bit here but uh, kind of um, day in the life vibes. Yeah, right. Woke up, got out of bed, (laughs) dragged a comb across my head. (laughs) Good, good tunes. Um, (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Has that uh, throwing a piano down a hallway thing? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I like that shit. I always like a noisy piano. When it's just being banged, banged around. Yeah, yeah. Some Cecil Taylor, maybe. Oh yeah, that's the king right there. 
how about yeah let's let's just listen to this transition to the next song i think it's a kind of a nice oh yeah i had camera as a slapper because i think like all great albums and the canon of great albums for me personally you're not i don't think you can achieve great album status without the one two punch of the first two uh-huh. tracks that's what separates the the greats from the goods yes yeah, exactly. the wheat from the chat. this one has a good transition and then camera is just a banger camera is the one it's i don't know it's hard to say it might be my favorite song of the album it's wow. the one i get stuck in my head like all the time yep and then who would have thought you know we basically do have cameras <laughs> stuck in our eyes all the time now <laughs> and a camera with a k too what's going on there yeah like, oh yeah that's strange like german camera? german i guess <laughs> yeah it's it, I, know, I wrote here it's a a mid mid tempo acoustic rocker which that's an easy rocker right up my right up my alley there yeah great um, uh, guitar lick riff guitar lick yeah in the yeah. wrong hands that little jaunty kind of yeah strummy guitar Good part bass could be could go so wrong but it's just uh, I don't know the way they just pull it all back in I guess it's a more simpler song compared to some of the stuff on this album, but I don't know. I think mm-hmm. you need that because you just came off the noisiness. But yeah, like you were saying, Adrian, maybe play the transition. Yeah, let's hear a little bit of that. So here's a little bit of that outro, which we just heard into camera. I guess it was less of a transit. Okay, whatever. Yeah, but it is like kind of, yeah. Uh, but we can just jump into the song here now. Went down 1979. <laughs> shout, out, shout out, fellow Chicagoans. Did you see... Uh... Just very warm guitar sounds, like yeah. it's very inviting. But speaking of Billy, did you see that he was talking about how uh, he he was so sad when Kurt died because his his rival died, his his uh, his his arch nemesis or whatever died. Yeah, and I was just like, I don't think I don't think Kurt would have ever considered you his his rival. I, I think yeah, that, it reminds <laughs> me of that like that Mad Men meme where the guy's like, I feel sorry for you. He's like, I don't even think about you. Exactly like. <laughs> Billy, buddy, I, I don't think he was worried about that too. Billy, too much. yeah. Why don't you go uh, be on should the cover been. of Cat Fancy yeah. and uh, go shape uh, your head again? Should have been you, you being Billy. a libertarian shithead. <laughs> should have been you, Billy. <laughs> oh. Courtney should have killed you. Oh, no, allegedly. Right. Yeah, trigger warnings. Um, yeah, the issue comedy podcast. Play. This is a comedy <laughs> podcast. Yeah, it's just, yeah. hashtag satire. No, uh, actually, I do believe that Corny Love is more talent was more talented than Kurt. I do believe that. That's truth. But uh, anyways, this to this track eye. is really pushed over the again. I think that the um, Kochi's little like his double beats and his accents really help push this because it could like you're mm-hmm. saying, Caleb, it could be just kind of in other hands. It could just kind of be another middling like, you know, it, like it. it a few tweaks and this could be a train song. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. it's not too far from that, but that doesn't make it, it that doesn't mean it's bad. It's just like the, they know how to make it their own and make it actually sound good in terms of like being kind of a more straightforward yeah. song on this record. And it gets noisy in all the right spots. It has that 
weird kind of like alarm bell kind of sound in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. Wah wah sound, like not a wah wah pedal, but you know what I'm saying, like that kind of a yeah. It's yeah. all kind of woozy. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear it's a little bit, more. Of this. It's actually kind of what it sounds like when you're when you're on a lot of pills. Allegedly, <laughs> hmm. that weird wooze. I'll have to do Allegedly. some research. Uh, here is Don't a little it. bit more of that. Uh, here is some of the. Hopefully, let's get into some of the chorus here. I think uh, in some of the pre-chorus camera. See, that's like a subtly kind of psychedelic-y, artsy yeah. song. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love that song. All right. Fucking great, yeah. Anybody want to throw out another one? Caleb? I mean, they're all good, but I mean, my favorite on this album and the most controversial is, uh, well, actually, you can't really talk about this album without talking about Jesus, et cetera, I think. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah, and then what does et cetera leads into? Yeah, um, do those back to back. It's just it might be the catchiest song on here. Like I think like my niece and nephew were singing this song like, <laughs> kind of recently when it's they were very... visiting. Yeah, it... well their their parents are Wilco fans, but still, I was just like, see, I never would have thought that. You know, I was like, that's tight, but it's like makes sense. It's kind of like it's super catchy and just like the just the arrangements the strings and everything it's just like i don't know it's it's just like kind of this really perfectly crafted pop song it feels very sophisticated too yeah like compared to some of the other tracks not that it, the others aren't it's just it feels like uh, just a little bit more um i don't know it just has a very specific vibe and pitchfork described it as coked up country lounge which i think yeah. is, sure. is pretty accurate it's pretty good like pretty pretty spot on because it has kind of a coolness to it, but it's not necessarily. It's like a detachment yeah. almost. Um, yacht, yacht rock adjacent, maybe. Yeah, yeah. it's kind also of like on a lot of a that makes way. so much yeah. sense. Because like, if you listen to like old like Waylon Jennings records and stuff, like all those country guys who got into cocaine, <laughs> they really got laid back. They stopped. <laughs> yeah, being it's kind weird. Of like, Smooth. Yeah. Yeah. What's that like? Honky Tonk Heroes or whatever that album. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's yeah. some like weird, just kind of croonery like loungy shit on there like yeah i don't know they're yeah, just like they would have uh you know i think it was i think it was because years of doing trucker speed that <laughs> yeah. they finally got into it's actually like, good shit. Oh, they, like they got out. like cocaine to sleep I think they, yeah and then somehow they drank less yeah when they were doing cocaine <laughs> i just feel good when i'm on it you know i'm not worried about anything else it just makes me feel good Oh, uh, they had that good '70s stuff too. Yeah, yeah. But uh, let's hear addictive. let's hear a little bit of this. Uh, I think we got to hear this one from the from the tippy, right? Like it's yeah, it's yeah. pretty iconic, like opening. Yeah, strings, um, chords, and then strings. You did mention you mentioned your 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 uh your niece and nephew. I think this is one of the bigger sing along songs. Like I've yeah, seen them totally. a few times, and every time they play it, the crowd goes fucking ape shit and sings along, and it's it's always a lot of fun. But uh, so. It is very catchy, despite Good the fact title. that it's talking about some heavy stuff and different weird things or whatever. 
yeah, great title. Uh, here we go. Here is Jesus, etc. What a great first line, too. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, it has that tall building shake, which I always thought was like, whoa, is it like Twin Towers? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, let's hear a little bit of that. I Do you think, think that's I a reference hear. to the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept? But so he's like, Jesus, don't cry? <laughs> oh, maybe. Probably. Is that the shortest story ever told? It's the uh, shortest verse in the Bible. It's only two words. Shortest story ever told is... Uh, Baby shoes for sale, never worn. Oh, always gets me. <laughs> I cry every time. Anyway, bro, <laughs> he's good. Uh, here, here is a little bit of that line. I think I got it here. Let's see. So good. He uh, does have a very sweet voice, and he doesn't yeah, get his voice too rules. He does. He has some pronunciation things, but he he never gets too out there. He, yeah, he too much sauce on the. He knows how to write the song to where his words are well placed, where he doesn't have yeah, to embellish. Yeah, and he can kind of just accent things with just kind of being a little bit quivery and a little bit kind of yeah heartbroken sounding. I don't know, yeah. but he just, he just rides the line so. You know, delicately, he's got good pitch. Yeah, I think, and I think that just comes from years of on the road, years being in bands, and and just middle, you know, uh, middling of bands, and just doing it. And I think that the, it's really, you know, obviously, in smoking shit ton of cigarettes too. But I think it all, <laughs> yeah. you know, so he's still on the six, still no, on I, American American spirits. I don't know, but I think at this time he definitely was. That's so. one lyric on this album where it's like. Uh, squeeze me how much do the pack of cigarettes cost oh, that's yeah. coming up i really up, chicago that's places, coming up. 2000s. really places things in the perspective there um, i just that's wanted one last up. thing before we exit jesus etc is uh i love these um i mean i love strings and i love fiddle and pedal steel but when you put all that together and you do like the pluck string things it's just like oh yeah so good uh here it. here's a little bit of that great lyrics and like i think the thing about his voice is it's like it's melancholy without being a maudlin like mm -hmm. it's got this kind of sadness to it it's you know smokiness to it that feels really good but he never goes over the top as you guys were saying like he never no. pushes it too far he always keeps it in check and control and it it just it really works yeah. for all these tracks and he's got one of those voices one note and you're like oh that's tweety mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. That's, that's tweeds. We love the tweeds. Big okay. fans, big fans. Tweety Bird, what do we call him? Tweety Bird. I'm sure he loves that. <laughs> sure he's never heard that. Well, should we round it out here with uh, the next track? Fuck yeah. All right, this is a biggie. This is Ashes of American Flags. Wow, and he, wow. And he was talking about <laughs> tall building shaking earlier. Yeah, and now he's talking about ashes. What, what did he, he knew, know, bro? What did you know? Inside Tweety. job, tweets. <laughs> Tweety did 9 11. <laughs> yeah, he's like, he has that weird lyric about like Donald Rumsfeld sent me an email. It's like, whoa, that's a weird <laughs> imagery. <laughs> uh, um, this is this. I really love this track, it's yeah. very um atmospheric and totally. um. I really love the spacey ambient guitar, uh, uh, electric guitar. And then of course it's kind of um, offset by like this acoustic. It's just, it's really, it really sets a mood and it sets a, it's, uh, it, again, I hate this to overuse this word, but it sets a vibe and there's a, a good great plotting. It's a good plot yes. too. Like I love a good plot done, right? A good plot when it's in the right hands and done correctly yeah. like oh baby but something there. about like those like yeah midwestern americana guys who can plod like <laughs> yeah. there's nothing better than it and then there's the i like really like the vocal take on this there's there's yeah. really great like weariness to it and smokiness to it that just really suits the lyrics uh and then yeah this is this is the one with the the cigarette uh cigarette lyrics let's see actually let's let's listen to that let's see if i can grab that real quick here um, and you guys had, do you guys have any other uh, comments before I play this or? No, it's a good song. It kind of has like this washed out sound to start with really kind of blown out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll play a little bit of the intro after we play this, uh, this song there. Actually let's, let's do the verse here. So here's the bit of the intro and then we'll get to that, um, that line. So a diet coke, like we're talking, let's just say it's a twelve ounce can. Can. So yeah. that's a maybe a dollar back in. I was yeah. gonna say like seventy five, maybe, maybe seventy five cents. cents. Yeah. So cigarettes were like two seventy five. Like that's pretty good. <laughs> Chicago, maybe he's buying. Maybe he's buying Lucy's though. Got to move. To Never Chicago. said he's buying a pack. No, he, he does, said he says unlit. You know, he says unlit cigarettes. So, yeah, say a pack of un no, he says unlit cigarettes, which oh, is okay. Could be could just be a, a, a Lucy yeah, situation. He's trying to quit. He's like, just give me a couple of Lucy's. He's hey, oh, let me get some Lucy's. He's chipping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, chipping here. <laughs> um, I also really love this next line, so I'm gonna play it because yeah, it's true. 
You also get a little taste of all of the kind of um, oh, spacey, uh, yeah, swooshy guitars going underneath there. The song yeah. just brings all the layers, and it's such a good use of cursing too. <laughs> yeah, it really yeah, punctuates lies. that fuck on that. Yeah, one. nobody gives a fuck. Like, give nah, I don't give a fuck. All the uh, all my lies are always wishes. That sounds that's a very like poignant kind of thing. Where it's like, huh, yeah, I guess that is kind of what what that is. Yeah. Some of my yeah, I I wrote here some of my favorite lines on this one. Like I love that, and I like uh, I shake like a toothache has always been so evocative to me too. I don't know why, but um, yeah, I always like that line too. Sweet, uh, yeah. Let's hear just a little bit more. And finish her off here. Well, that's a heartbreaking line. Yeah. I've been there before. Amen, brother. <laughs> Sing it, Jeff. Jeffrey. Nice. I think he was born Jeff. I really <laughs> yeah, I can't imagine Jeff. Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey Tweedy. It's like, it's I'm many, Jeffrey Tweedy. It's like, too, no, many, too many whys. He came out of the womb. They're like, that's a Jeff. <laughs> All right. All right, is that it for slappers? I think, I think that, so. that's it. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, there's plenty of like more. We, were saying, we can go on and on. Yeah, this yeah, whole we could, album. We could talk endlessly about. And I know all we focused heavily on the on the first side. The I mean, the first half of the record. The second half of this record is no slouch. Yeah, a lot. you like, know what? I'm gonna play just a little bit of "I'm the Man Who Loves You" because I fuck yeah. you talk about it, and it's a it's a banger. But I'll, a banger. I'll play this underneath while you you talk a little bit. So I'll, I'll yeah, for sure. Job. Um, yeah, here yeah. yeah. There's like the the way this uh, this album like comes into the second half is just kind of like more rocking, more confident. You know, it kind of just yeah, a little more a little shot in the arm, if you will. In parts, a little more traditional, yeah, rock sounding. But it's just kind of needed too, though. It's like it's not like the first half weights it down or anything, but like it's just kind of a nice welcome kind of pitch change. Yeah. Welcome, if you will. Yeah. <laughs> it definitely. Uh, no. um, I I think in the middle it gets a little bit more spaced out and experimental. And it's kind of this sandwich of like kind of the more poppy yeah. song. And really it does work. And then to finish it off with reservations, which kind of brings everything together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, That's one of my favorite songs. Incredible yeah. song. I mean, God, like, yeah, we could talk about literally every one of these songs. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's nothing. There's no wax, first of all. No. And there's really no wasted time. I think there yeah. is one thing. There might be one thing that I think we can I all have... agree and I'll yeah. let Noah. I'll let you go ahead and speak. But I to have that. one quibble. Yeah, the song. It's, it's more of a quibby, if you will. Yeah, the song. Rest in peace. The song "Heavy Metal Drummer." There's a reference to Kiss, the band Kiss, when he's like playing Kiss covers, "Beautiful" and "Stone." And I get the sentiment of the song. You know, he's talking about like being in a, about some... a junior high band and stuff. And I know for men of a certain age. Men that are like exactly his age, like Ray Romano, Gen X guys, to them, like 
Kiss <laughs> are like comic book superheroes. Like they, they, yeah, they just literally, they cannot help but love Kiss. I think Kiss is one of the worst fucking bands ever. I I, I can't stand them. I you know I do have an appreciation for some of their tracks, but overall they are hot, hot garbage. And but like, dude, all she's so people, European's good. Beth is good. Who are you talking about? The, the, the members of Kiss themselves all seem like real pieces of shit as well. <laughs> uh, and they all I, seem like they know the band sucks. They're, I like, yeah, they're they like the guitarist. They listen uh, to the Ace, playback. And they're I like, like Ace Freely. Like the, the only Ace cool Freely's guy. solo album is not bad. Oh, the, back the, in the New York Starman or whatever. Yeah. Well, remember yeah. they had that's the, a cover though. The solos. Back in the New I know, York but group. his version's pretty good. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but. Fuck Gene Simmons and fuck Paul Stanley. But I, I see what you're saying. Gene Simmons, if that's even your real name, I don't. I don't think <laughs> it. Whoa, okay. I don't think it is. But um, uh, yeah, I, I understand. Like, yeah, you don't want to invoke Kiss. I don't. But it's like we have this issue in our in our uh, in our dialogues these days that like depiction equals endorsement i don't think he's <laughs> saying kiss is good i think he's like this story that he's telling yeah, about this like kiss cover i miss the innocence i've known so he's yeah. talking about being naive and it's just kind of like but yeah, i bet you if you ask midwestern he, kid yeah, he'd probably have some Tweety, appreciation he'd be like i love kiss i can't yeah. help it I but know within the stupid. text of the song i'm not saying he's like he's like no I it works Simmons, and also an kiss asshole. is a four-letter word it's easy to slot into a song uh, my problem said, what is could they're not a metal band. They're, they're not a metal band, dude. Oh, Everyone yeah. knows that. Heavy that metal drummer. It's called heavy metal drummer. No. Yeah. But it's, yeah, it's it's just like this the innocence and like the naivete of like. What could he have he replaced it with? Playing. Slade covers. Sticks. Sticks Stick, covers. Uh, Sticks is worse than Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hold my beer. Playing, playing, yes playing, yeah, they're not really a heavy metal band. Nobody would ever cover a yes song in the first place. That's <laughs> playing credence cover. <laughs> I just wish he mentioned a band that I liked, but whatever. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> playing Prince's Kiss. Playing <laughs> Prince covers. Stuff. Just Prince covers. Good. Yeah, good. Just the song Kiss by Prince. <laughs> from, uh, is that from the Batman soundtrack? No, it's uh, 1999, I mean. Oh, okay, right? okay. Yeah, I just want your kiss. Great track. Yeah. All right. Still a banger, dude. Really good drumming. Or no, that's Purple Rain, I think, maybe. I can't remember. It's been a while. Yeah, I'm due for a Prince deep dive. Yeah, we should all do that. All right. Anyways. Hell yeah. That was it. Hell that yeah. was my slight quibble. But let's... Um, let's Rate this uh, Rate it. No, I will. I had a. I was oh, going to do a oh, little. Yes, yes, uh, yes. A little new segment. I'm not going to do it on every album. Let's jump in. But um, when, like I said, I was listening to this album earlier, and I was just obsessed with how this album sequenced and everything. So I have this new segment. It's called Pick a Side, and what you do is you pick your nice. favorite side of this record. And obviously, Spotify and everything doesn't have uh, isn't orienting your listening like that, but. I'm a vinyl collector, so that's how I think of things. So um, I got the vinyl here. So side one and, is uh, is what's what's the number one through one through yeah. three one through three, 
And then four through six. So four let's six. I'll, I have it here. So I'll just I'll just list it. So wait, one through three, four. This yeah, okay. Is a so double album. It's a yeah. double album. Yeah. yeah. So it's, oh, I never knew that. Kind of oh. doesn't need to be. I that's what they did with being there too. <laughs> yeah. Well, but that's being there's more, long though, right? Yeah, there's more tracks yeah. on that one. Yeah. But this but, is this is the breakdown. So yeah. side A, I am trying okay. to break your heart. Camera Banger. radio cure. Ooh. Uh, side B. That's tough to beat. War on War, Jesus, mm-hmm. etc. Ashes of American Flags. Oh, that's a that's a hot one. Um, side C, heavy metal drummer. I'm the man who loves you. Pot kettle black. That's like the oh, banger side, right? There. Yeah, yeah. yeah and then good... the last side is poor places and reservations. That's so, a sleeper side. Those sleeper are two side. good songs. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I gotta go side one. A. Two songs that go cause... so well together. That could be one epic song, actually. It kind of is, um, really. Yeah, yeah it yeah. goes into each other. Yeah, I gotta go side A just because I think "Camera" is my favorite song wow. on the album. Yeah, and then "Radio, Radio Cure, Cure" is such a good is song. That's brilliant. Under, song. I, we didn't talk about it at all, but underappreciated definitely on this record. It's, yeah, it's a, it's I mean the verse. Right yeah, and the way it goes into yeah. like the bridge. But I do love "Reservations." No reservations. I once misquoted "Radio Cure" lyrics in a letter to my wife. And then she called me out and said, you got those lyrics wrong. It's like cigs are way more expensive than that. No, he says, uh, oh, distance has no way of making love understandable. I said, distance wow. has a way of making love understandable. Yeah. I always thought it was long distance. No, no oh, it's, distance has no well, way. I always yeah. thought you said long distance. Well, that's because we were in a long distance relationship at the time. So I was trying to like relate it to that. But I fucked up. I fucked up. Good old LDR. She uh, fact she checked. she well actually do you yeah yeah totally I got right. man's what do you say Adrian favorite side A B it's C a tough. or D I mean A is a banger B is a, I you know what for my money I think I'm I'm a B I think War and War Jesus and then Ashes that's yeah. a solid three like that's a good little like War on um, War yeah we didn't talk about that a great that's great kind of track a funky. Mm-hmm. three songs a little has bit. a cool little repeating has a little, has a little bounce it has yeah nice and repetition and it, that song also it wouldn't be out of place like on summer teeth or something like it's yeah. just a little bit weirder than those tracks just just a slightly bit but i don't know for me though those three back to back especially jesus and the ashes like oh man so good so good Caleb, absolutely hey, i'm say? a b i'm a b nice yeah. so two b's and a team a. b baby yeah, yeah. um yeah. We're just a bunch of beta boys. (laughs) Because the way I was thinking about it is like, because I was talking about this earlier, how it's like a kind of a coming of age record, you know, even though it's made by like men in their whatever, 30s. Uh, Maybe they're pushing 40. I don't know how Tweety's 55. Let's Um, do the math on that. Yeah. So he would have been like our age now, which which is crazy to think about. 37, 38. I don't really want to think about that. Um, How he's making this album at the age I am now. Let's see. So <laughs> 60, he's born in 67. So he was, yeah. in fact, younger than us when he recorded oh, this. Man. He was 29. Oh. <laughs> no, you he would say our, roughly our roughly our age, let's say. Roughly you could say age. our uh, our yeah, podcast 29. is is the Yankee <laughs> Hotel Foxtrot of podcasts. So we're doing oh, the same yeah. as he is. We but, might have to um, shut this down next year. I, I don't know if you could be doing podcasts in your 40s. <laughs> Uh, are you kidding me this is like half of the podcast for free start for free. doing podcasts oh, for, oh, that's yeah. a good point <laughs> well we got a year to grind it out um <laughs> yeah we got to monetize this bad yeah. boy but anyway so like if you look at it as kind of a 
coming of age or coming into middle age record. Um, the first half is kind of this, it's like kind of getting your bearings and like, you know, it's like kind of still kind of contemplative and kind of, kind of whimsical. And then I feel like the, the, like the second half is a little bit more serious and um, kind of sadder and a little bit darker, you know, and there's something a little bit more jaded about it in a way. And then it, and then it kind of has this upswing, right. Where you get kind of your, you get your confidence and you're like kind of feeling yourself a little bit more and you're doing some easy rockers. And then, then you kind of come down, you know, on the, on the last, uh, last side of the record. And it's still, you kind of have your trepidations, but it's like, there's kind of this confidence and there's more of this kind of like, this is more of a statement, even though kind of carries kind of some of the darkness and kind of that melancholy and yearning that's through the whole record, but it's done in a way that's a little bit more, I don't know, a little bit more confident. So it just has this really cool arc as related to age that sounded a lot better in my brain when I was thinking about it today. But No, no, I hear uh, what you're saying. Yeah. But um, so I feel like side B is like the strongest to me. Like sticks that the 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 strongest is just like, mm-hmm. yeah, you're just kind of being. I mean, you really can't go wrong though with any of these sides. Mm-hmm. Like if if someone was like, you can only listen to like you can only listen to one side. You can't really go wrong with any of them, honestly. And 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 each of them would really fulfill like what the album is. Like there's not yeah. Like you're like you're saying, like they each go kind of shift through different moods and different feels, but they all speak to what the album is at its core. Yeah. Each and... each side is an opportunity to remind you what this album is. Yeah, like, it does exactly. really have a uh, good three kind of song suites and then the last two songs as like one kind of big song. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, the structure works really well that way, actually. Just taking it as sides. Yeah. Yeah, it's good structure. But let's not take sides. Let's rate this thing as a whole. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think I know where this is headed, but yep. I mean, I'm, I'll start it off. 10. Yeah. I was going to give it a 9.9 just to joke around about that kiss line, but nah, I got to <laughs> give it a 10. I got to give it a 10. Yeah. I was going to give it a 9.11 uh, for 9.11, but um, <laughs> I got to give it a 10. All right. It's too big, too big of a record, too it's important too big, to us as humans. And then and... yeah. classic. Yeah, yeah, it has the nostalgia factor and has the just yeah, it holds up to, to this day. Fuck yeah. Oh yeah. Um All great. Right, let's wrap it up. No game. Cool. We, we ran too long. Nah, you said you had a game. Nah, I'll scrap it. We'll do it. Uh, we'll do it another time. Oh, well, I'm looking forward to it. Keep it for next time. You guys seen this band live? I've seen them live. Oh, I've seen them. Yeah. This might be the band I've seen. One of the bands I've seen the most live, actually, because yeah, I didn't see him like properly live. I feel like times, I saw him at like a outside lands or some bullshit. Or yeah, that's the first time I saw them as a whole band. I saw them at some kind of like back porch fest or something, some like Americana, like big Bob Dylan headlined it. But um, yeah, I need to see him at a nice venue. Yeah, they're they, they always play the Fox. I feel I feel like when they come through okay, uh, the West sure. Coast, yes, um, yeah, they and they, they sound great in that room. They, sound like fucking fantastic like maybe next time room. i'll go i remember yeah. me and adrian we were almost gonna go once wasn't that a couple oh, yeah. years ago Something that was happened. yeah i think uh i think one of us went out of town oh, or something yeah yeah what could have happened a couple years ago 
Oh, oh that, that too. <laughs> I think no, it was no, before is, that. It yeah, was slightly was before that. Maybe so like probably four, four or five years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever the yeah. last album cycle was. Oh no, them. but didn't recently? Because you're like, I might be in. T- or was that Wilco? That might have been a different. Might, I think that was. Um, that may have been something else. But yeah. anyways, yeah, yeah, we we should we, we should you all guys should definitely get in that. But sure, we yeah. could all go at some point. That'd be really fun for sure. But yeah. they are very. I love seeing them live. They're. Um, they never they're never anything less than really good um and man like especially with the pieces that they added after this record you know nels klein and yeah i forget the other multi-instrumentalist dude's name uh, is escaping me at the moment but they're all super talented like nels klein is like he's like plugged into the amp and just how active and, and totally he is and they just yeah he's great tweety's charming great stage banter you know it's uh it, it's very great it's a very great experience. So, uh, anyone out there, any of our listeners, if you've never seen them, go ahead and see them. And uh, you know, we'll, we'll let's get let's try to get that on the books because I think we can. Uh, I think they'll be back around here soon. Yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, I saw them right before the kid was born. It's kind of his first show, but yeah, yeah, they were they were fantastic. It was great because I was like the ultimate dad rock man right before I became a dad. Nice. So that was very uh very full circle moment. So now you'll really get them when you see them next time. Hmm. New balances will just appear on your feet. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Let's wrap it up. What are we doing next week? Next week, we are kind of ending doing the coda of our, um, of our series of our tournament. So we will actually be covering a Radiohead album, which is something I thought we'd never do, but you know, too big of a band maybe, but anyways, we'll be doing a kid. A, um, uh, that? That's Radiohead's Yankee Hotel Foxtrot. The year two thousand. Remember that? Remember that? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh Conan coming back to Conan. Conan. Uh, Sting, right? He's uh, did he do Sting. the original and then La Bamba would sing? Oh yeah. Too. Was it Sting on the first one? That's I think, yeah, so. I think Sting, Sting was featured did the original. In that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, you're right. And then yeah, of course, classic Bamba. Conan I love, band I member. I love La Bamba. Yeah, Jimmy Vino, Max Weinberg, solid band, man. <laughs> yeah. The was it the bald guy, uh, Pender? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. Great, great stuff. But yes, we'll. That's a, that's gonna be exciting. Kid A, that's a yeah. huge, huge one. That's a big one. Yeah, that's a, lot, a big lot, one. Lot, um, lot to chew on on that one. I think you guys, our listeners, might be able to find it. That's Radiohead Kid <laughs> A. Go look for it. Go to your local art library. Kid A. Go to your Fry's Electronics CD section. <laughs> Um, wow. go to Rasputin, Sam yeah, Goody, Circuit nice. City. Uh, Circuit City. <laughs> I bought some CDs from Circuit City. I did yeah. the loop, hit up Best Buy, and maybe I'll pop into Circuit City too. Yeah, because cool. one always had one, one that the other didn't. <laughs> didn't, yeah. I feel like Circuit City had better rap. Yeah, I could I be definitely, completely wrong. I, Circuit City had better DVDs, I want to say. That too, yeah. I think Circuit City did cater to the rap fans more yeah. for sure. They had more. They definitely had more. I remember distinctly buying Ghostface, Fish Scale, yeah. uh, Day and uh, Date, Day and Date, Day and, and date. Uh, immediately popping it in the parking lot and blasting that shit. It was fantastic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember album. like being there as a kid and seeing like a Three Six Mafia like early like Mystic Styles or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Like me, like whoa, that looks fucking grimy. Cool, I'm gonna do it. I didn't nice. buy it, but. R. Yeah, anyways, so check it out. We will be doing Radiohead next week. And uh, 
Yeah. Thanks for listening, listeners. Thank you to Kiki for our theme song. It's good to hear the theme song back in action. Yes. Um, and then uh, Adrian, thank you for all your production work. Noah, thank you for all your your vibe checking. Um, <laughs> and thank you, listeners. You guys are uh, makes this possible. <laughs> so hit us up on socials at Wacker Slaps. Um, on Instagram, on Twitter, on Letterboxd, or you can hit us up directly through email. Send us some crazy emails at wackerslaps at gmails.com. For Noah and Adrian, I am Caleb, and this has been Wacker Slaps. And as always, we return to the eternal question of what made Milwaukee famous. Think about it. Wait. All right.